right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Day Room Podcast. Today's guest is Jose Vigo, Javier's older brother. Um, And I can't say that he's related to Javier because he's older. So Javier is related to him. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Jose served uh, four years in the United States Navy as a petty officer, third class um, sonar technician. So without further ado, Jose, go ahead and say what's up to the folks. How's it going, everyone? All right. Now, this is going to be fun because you got some information to correct uh, oh, or yeah. some misinformation that your brother threw out there. And and I'm, let's, let's get going. Where are you originally from, Jose? I am originally from the Bronx, New York. All right. Awesome. So you are from the Bronx? Yes. Okay. Now... Tell me about growing up in the Bronx from your perspective. Growing up in the Bronx, well, let's see. There was a lot going on where we lived at called McCoon's Road. Um, there was a, I would say a posse that they called the McCoon's Road Posse. And these guys would walk around literally in trench coats with baseball bats and shotguns in their trench coats. What? Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, my brother doesn't know a lot of this because he was a he was a little younger. Now, how much? What's the age difference between two years? Two, two years. Okay. So, when you were a teenager, you know, kind of seeing this stuff, he's still in the house. Well, we were both outside, but he just didn't see it as much as I saw it. Okay. Because I I hung out with older kids, so. I knew what was going on. Okay. And one of our neighbors, I think, was three years older than me. And he was like my big brother on the block. Yeah. He know he told me who to stay away from, who to talk to, who not to talk to. He said, if any problems, just go knock on his door. Got it. So I was I was basically protected. Okay. And um so born and raised there in the Bronx. Did you where where'd you go to high school? High school in Jersey City. Okay. Now, this is the correction, right? This is where you need to make some corrections. Yeah. So go ahead and, and fill us in on. Uh, so my brother, in his intro, said that he moved to Jersey when he was 10. No, I was 10. He was eight. Got the it. reason why I remember this is because at 10 years old, me and my brother would travel with my mom to New York, to Manhattan, 42nd Street. She would put us on the train the number four train going uptown to the Bronx for us to go to the school. Got it. Okay. So our, our day usually started about four o'clock in the morning. Wow. Yeah. Cause we had to get up, get ready to take the bus to Jersey to New York and then travel on the subway to the school, get to my grandfather's house by seven o'clock, call mom at work, tell her that we got to grandpa safely then my brother would go across the street to my cousin. They'd go to school together. And then me and my cousin's god brother would go to another school together. Okay. Got it. Wow. And how long did you do that? We did that for that, that one school year. Okay, that one year. So you guys moved, stayed in the same school uh, in New York, right. commuted there every day. And then the next school year, uh, you started school in school Jersey City. And I started in... In Jersey City, which was an eventful first day of school. Talk to me about that. So the first day of school, I get into my class. My teacher, 
and I tell my mom this all the time, it's his fault that I got into a fight that day. Because he starts off by introducing me by saying, this is Jose, new student from the Bronx, New York. As soon as he said the Bronx, the target was already placed on my back. Because everybody says, oh, you're from New York, so you're a tough guy. I'm not a tough guy, but I will defend myself. So sure enough, guy told me he wanted to fight me at 245 across the street. I was like, fine, I'll be there. Wasn't expecting to have two guys fighting me, but that's what happened. So my brother's on the other side of the school coming out. He hears that there's a fight on the other side. And all he hears is, oh, there's a fight between two kids and the new guy. As soon as, they, as soon as my brother heard the new guy, he already knew who it was. It, it, it's not that hard to figure out. I get into trouble. What can I say? <laughs> so he <laughs> Sounds comes flying familiar. out of nowhere and literally kicks one of the guys in the stomach right off of me. He jumps on him, starts swinging. I see I have an advantage now to swing on the other guy. We get taken to the principal's office. My mom gets called in. And they're at, and she's asking me what happened. So I'm telling her, I'm like, the teacher put a bullseye on my back. Why are you blaming the teacher? He shouldn't have said I was from the Bronx. Just say New York. Don't say the Bronx. Right. Because everybody knows Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens. It, it's tough guys, pretty much. You know, that was the reputation back then. Yeah. Wow. So that's the first day of school? First day of school. Wow. And then did you? And the two guys I fought ended up being my best friends. Okay, that's. <laughs> and all you guys got suspended, even even Javier. No, we didn't get suspended. No, just no. This is just, what it is. Yeah, because it was across the street from the school, so it wasn't on school property, and it was after school. They so what was that us. like sixth grade? Yep, sixth grade. Okay. Wow, and then from that point on, like, what was the transition like going from? The Bronx to Jersey City. I don't. I don't know much about those those areas, but I do know that once you cross the bridge, it's just a different life. I don't know about it really being different because to me, it felt just like being back in the Bronx. It was the same type of culture, the same type of mix of people. So it really didn't change much. It was just like certain words. You know, everybody, everybody can tell a New Yorker just by the way they say coffee. Yeah. And then the Jersey, they emphasize it a little bit more coffee, right? Yep. Okay. Wow. All right. Now, going sixth grade, middle school. Now, how was high school for you? High school for me was a lot different than it was for my brother. Because my brother, from eighth grade, he already knew he was going to Dickinson. That, that was a given. Me, it was different because of the fact all my teachers from first grade on said that Jose's a lot smarter than he shows. Jose just seems to be lazy and doesn't want to stand out as one of the smart kids, which was true. I didn't want everybody to know how smart I was. So they had this high school in New Jersey called, back then it was academic high school. Now it's called McNair Academic High School. It's basically a public-private school. It's a public school aspect, but you have to be accepted into the school. So eighth grade, my mom makes me fill out the application for the school, even though I don't want to. I fill it out. 
And I'm like, there's no way I'm getting in. I'm like, there's a gifted and talented class. Every one of those kids applied. I'm in a regular eighth grade class. There's no way I'm getting in. So first there comes a letter that says I'm on the waiting list. I'm like, see, I'm not getting in. I'm going to Dickinson. So I start preparing myself for Dickinson High School. Two weeks later, another letter comes in. You've been accepted. And I'm like, what the fuck? So my mother's like, oh, you're not going to Dickinson. You're going to academic. I'm like, mom, there's nobody in my eighth grade class going to academic. I am not going to be stuck with the gifted and talented nerds at academic. She's like, yes, you are. So I go my freshman year. And because of the fact I was still associated with the Dickinson High School music program, I got out of a lot of things at academic because of Dickinson. So for freshman orientation, where the seniors basically terrorized the freshmen, I was unavailable. Why? Because they did it on a Friday night. I had a Dickinson High School football game to be in the marching band for. So I went there. My big brother sees me on Monday and he's like, where were you Friday? I was like, Caven Point. He's like, why were you at Caven Point? I'm like, I play in the Dickinson High School marching band. He's like, but you're in academic high school. I'm like, academic high school doesn't have a football team nor a marching band. Sorry, I'm not wasting my talents. So I did that. Then my junior year, I, I was already to the point where I didn't want to be there anymore. My mother knew it, but she still forced me to stay. So I figured, okay, if I'm going to have to be here, I'm going to make this year my last year for sure. So I managed to get enough credits knowing that I could fail two classes to get kicked out of the school and still get to my senior year. <clears throat> so me and my mom have arguments throughout the summer. She, she gets tired of me just basically trying to be a man before I'm ready to be a man. So she kicks me out the house, tells me, go to your father's house. So she thinks that sending me to my father was going to be punishment. Yeah, that summer vacation was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I spent Monday through Friday, yes, in the house, babysitting my younger brother and younger sister. But Friday night, I was at the bowling alley with my father. Saturdays, I was at the beach with my stepmom and my brother and my sister. Sunday, I was at the softball field with my father. Can't go wrong at 17 years old having a good weekend. No. So I go back to school for my senior year. Well, I get back into Jersey City. My mom takes me to Dickinson to get me registered for school. The guidance counselor tells me I have to redo my junior year. And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean I got to redo my junior year? My mother's like, watch your language. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not watching my language right now. I'm like, she's telling me I got to redo junior year? No. I was like, you better count those credits again. She's like, okay. So she starts counting the credits. I'm like, you counted wrong. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, those music classes are not four credits. My music classes are six credits. I'm in the advanced program at the college. Try again. So she calculates the numbers again. She goes, oh, you are right. You do have enough credits. I'm like, I know I do. <laughs> I was like, it was my plan. Trust me. I know my credits. <laughs> so I started my senior year. So I would say, I would say it was probably about three months into my senior year. 
actually maybe four, right after New Year's. My mom kicks me out the house. So now I'm bouncing from friend's house to friend's house. The whole time that I'm bouncing around, she thinks that I'm not going to school. So one day she asked my brother, hey, how's your brother doing? Oh, he's good. You sure? Yeah, he's staying at this person's house tonight. Oh, okay. What's he doing during the day? He's in school. My mother's like, what? He's in school? Yeah, he calls me every morning to meet him on the block so we can go to school. She's like, oh, so he's still going to school. My mother's like, my brother's like, yeah, he's trying to finish and get the hell out. He, he wants to be gone. So when all my other friends are applying to Rutgers, Seton Hall, St. John's, all the local colleges, I'm applying to Michigan, Duke, North Carolina, Florida. Like, I, I want to get out. Right. So finally, my mom tells me that in order for me to go back to the house, I have to go to the Army. I tell her, if I'm going to the military and you're going to make me go to the military, I choose the branch, not you. She goes, fine. She goes, I don't care as long as you go to the military. I was like, okay. So give me, give me some time to decide where I want to go first. So my stepfather, he was Army. He's trying to get me to just go Army. And I'm like, mm, nah, I, I don't see me Army. I, I'm not Army ready. That's not me. So I have a conversation with his brother, who is a Marine. And he's like, look, I'm just going to be straight with you. He goes, you want to be a cop, detective, anything with freaking law enforcement? I'm like, not really. He goes, and don't go Marines, don't go Army. He goes, choose Air Force, Coast Guard, or Navy. I'm like, well, I'm afraid of heights. He's like, well, there you go. You ain't going to the Air Force. He goes, Coast Guard, Navy. And I'm like, Coast Guard doesn't do shit. He goes, looks like you went to the Navy. I'm like, yeah, they travel, right? He goes, they go all around the world. I'm like, I like that. I want to travel. I'll go Navy. Sure enough, we go to um, the MEP station. I speak to a recruiter about the Navy. So my recruiter happens to be a surface Navy guy. So what is, what is, has, what's the surface Navy guy? Surface is frigates, um, carriers, battleships, all the, all the ships above the water. Okay. That's what we call the surface. So his other two recruiters in the office are sub guys. I don't talk to them because I didn't even think about submarines. That was not, not in my plans. My plan was go Navy, go to music. That was, that was my intention. Do something in music with the Navy. I'll be fine. So I go to take the ASVAB test and the electronics section. I looked at it and I was like, what the fuck is this? What questions are these? So basically I was just, man, this sounds good. Man, this sounds good. Man, this might work. Oh, okay, I'll choose this one. So when I speak to the lady going over my test, she's like, well, these are the rates that we picked out for you based on your ASVAB scores. And I'm looking and I'm like, okay. I'm like, why is everything on a submarine? She's like, oh, because your electronic section was one of your best sections. And I'm like, wait, you sure you got my test right? 
She's like, you are Jose Vigo, right? I'm like, yeah, that's me. She goes, this is your birthday and your social, right? I'm like, still me. She goes, yeah, your high school was electronics. I'm like, ma'am, I guessed that whole section. She goes, then you must be a pretty good guesser. I'm like, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> now this is this is at what in your during your senior year, yeah, like how far senior. into your senior year? It was already February. Okay, so you're about I to graduate in a couple months. DEP. Got it. Yeah. And how old are you at this point? Seventeen still. Seventeen. Okay. Okay. I didn't hit eighteen until April. Okay. So, of course, mom had to sign all the paperwork. Yeah. Now you so you did the the delayed entry. You said the. Okay, so just like your brother. Well, your brother was weird. Yeah, his, because... his is totally different. Yeah. Mine was literally right at the end, four months, and I'm gone. Okay, I got you. All right, and so you take the ASVAB, you score high in the electronics. You know, you finally get it now. <laughs> so she puts four different jobs in front of me. The first one was storekeeper. Storekeeper, basically, you're the, you're the inventory guy of the entire ship. So at first, I'm like, I'm good with numbers. Maybe I can get into that. Then she tells me that the length of enlistment is five years. I'm like, eh, no, my plan is four and out. That's all I came for, four and out. I just came because mom told me I had to come. That's it. So she shows me fire technician. Same thing, five years. I'm like, you can push that one to the side too. She's like, electronics technician. I'm like, five years, goodbye. I was like, you got anything under four? She goes, we don't do under four, but we can give you four exactly. I'm like, four works. She goes, well, all we have is sonar tech. And I'm like, sonar tech? I'm like, what do they do? She's like, well, on a surface ship, they don't really do too much because you got the vision that you can see. Right. I'm like, okay. I was like, but mine has SS on it. What's that? She goes, that's submarines. I'm like. So literally, I'll be like the like a bat. She goes, yeah, pretty much. That's what sonar techs on subs do. You're the eyes and ears of the submarine. I'm like, that sounds pretty interesting. I'll sign up for that one. So of course, I go to I go to fill out the paperwork, do the oath, and everything. I'm officially now in the delay entry program with my date to depart already set in stone okay so you did you did the oath right then yeah you did your your oath of enlistment right then that's as awesome as soon as i signed the paperwork for the job i wanted did my oath and whew, that that was nerve-wracking it really was to be in a room with all these other guys that are my age and we're all like beers in the headlight <laughs> but i like talking to your brother about his his deal going between junior and senior year going to basic and then coming back to high school, like having a whole year knowing that he's enlisted in the military. He's, you know, gone to basic, come back in shape. But for you, like doing your, your oath of enlistment and then having a couple months left in your senior year, knowing where you're going to go, that must've felt amazing. Cause all these people are, you know, all your friends are like, yeah, I'm going to Rutgers. In I'm a going. Way, it feel amazing. In a way it was nerve wracking because when I signed up, I was, at a good height, but I was underweight for my height. Okay. So they literally had my freaking um, recruiter take me to get something to eat after they waved me. Took me to Burger King to get food. 
when I ordered the food, he looked at me like, there's no way you're going to eat all that food. I'm like, you have no idea who I am. <laughs> and then I put down two cheeseburgers, large fries, chicken nuggets, and a milkshake and an apple pie. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> My metabolism was beyond fast at that point. Wow. Like, I could eat and not gain anything. I was literally 17 years old, 5'6", 107 pounds. I needed to be 110. That's crazy. So by the time I graduated, I was at the right height, right weight to go in. So what, what, was, the, what was the height that you needed to be at? I was at, for me being 5'6", my minimum weight had to be 110. Okay, 110. How tall are you now? 5'9". Well, technically five, eight and three quarters, but come on. Yeah. Who I really goes around saying five, eight and three quarters? <laughs> it's five, nine, <laughs> but that's perfect height for a sub. Yeah. And, and exceptional height, exceptional freaking body size. I was perfect on a sub. Yeah. All right. So now you graduate high school. Where do you go to, to boot camp? Where do you go to boot basic? Camp, Great Lakes, Illinois, or as we called it, great mistakes. Yes. <laughs> All right, and how long is, is Navy boot camp? Nine weeks. Nine weeks. Okay. Graduate high school, get to Great Lakes. Tell me about your, your first experience. Graduate high school, have two weeks to kill before I have to graduate, before I have to go, because the way that school year was supposed to end, we were supposed to actually end June 15th. We didn't end until the end of June because of all the damn snow that we had that senior year. So, you know, they had to push our date back. So when I finally graduated, I only had two weeks. What'd you do in that two weeks? Just went around, saying bye to friends, saying bye to family. Like, I'll see you guys in a few months, maybe. <laughs> no like, no trouble. Gonna happen after boot camp. <laughs> no, no trouble or anything like that. Just chilled out those nah, two weeks before. Just, just chilled out. Chilled out and had fun as much as I could. Okay. Because I knew that once I went into the military, fun was over. Gotcha. Now tell me your first first impression, first day at Great Lakes. This is basic. This is real life now. Like okay, so the first day at Great Lakes, they're they're basically checking us all in, you know, helping us to get out of our civilian clothes and get us into our uniforms. So we get our uniforms. We have to take our civilian clothes and put them in a plastic bag to ship to our parents. So the funniest part was there's one guy who literally decided to bring condoms to boot camp. Right there, he, he already screwed himself over because he became the joke of the day. Condoms to boot camp. Like yeah. not, you know, back in the day, we used to just have one in our wallet. He brought condoms. A three pack. Yeah, a three pack. What the fuck was he thinking it was going to happen? So basically... And the worst part is, he was also from the New York area, so it made us all already look bad as a group. <laughs> so he saw some girls from the Air Force, went to buy condoms because we were all in the hotels together. He thought he was going to get him some. They didn't happen that way. So now the condoms are on the counter in front of the RDC. RDC grabs the condoms and says, what, are you planning to practice safe masturbation? <laughs> Everybody starts laughing. So 
now we're finally processed into our barracks area. And as soon as we get in, we have this RDC who's straight from California, hates New Yorkers, and he literally calls us all out. He's like, where are all my New York recruits at? 15 of us step forward. He's like, once you guys are fit for active duty, y'all going to be the first ones I drop. We're all <laughs> like, what the hell did we do to this guy? Like, we just got here. Sure enough, following week, we're all fit for duty. All my New York recruits, one step forward. We take a step forward. Drop. Damn it. So we have to start doing 20 push-ups while the rest of the recruits are just watching us. Finally, he tells us to stop. We all stand. Get back in formation. Now he tells everybody to drop. So it's like, really? So we just had this, we just did 20 push-ups. Now you want us to do 20 more with everybody else? That's kind of fucked up. So most of us just kept our mouths shut, did what we had to do. Then I would say it was week five. Yeah, week five, where we no longer have to be in classes. We get one week of what they called, um, I don't remember exactly what they called it, um, hell week. That's what they called it for us, hell week. So we all get split up into different spots. Some of us go into the galley and do dishes. Some of us end up on the freaking um, training field, picking up paper and whatnot. Luckily, I was in the galley. Yeah, the hours were longer than normal, but for the most part, it was fun because there were a couple of females that actually ended up in my galley area. So we had we had a blast just spraying each other with water every now and then, just just acting stupid because you know we weren't being supervised. <laughs> right. You got a whole bunch of 18, 19 year olds running around, no supervision. We're gonna have fun. Yeah. I got a question. So, like with the army, there's five different uh bases that we do basic training at. Um, I, I had two other Navy guys on um a couple episodes ago, and they also were at Great Lakes. Is that the only boot camp for Navy folks, or is there somewhere else? Now, yes. There used to be one in California, but I okay. think that one closed down in the early 90s. Okay. And then they just moved everybody to Great Lakes for basic training. And then after basic training in Great Lakes, then you get shipped to different schools depending on what your rate what is. Gonna learn. Okay, got it. Nuclear, the nukes all end up in Florida. Um, You've got a lot of... um airmen that are also in the navy that they go to california um a lot of the surface rates also go to california but most of the solar most of the sub rates go to um groton connecticut so okay. in groton you have sonar apprenticeship school you have ft apprentice ets also with it just being like great lakes for boot for you guys where did you guys have like um, co-ed boot camp classes or were you like males over here doing boot females over no, here? No, there were there were some divisions that were um that were co-ed. I happened to be in the all male division. Okay. And probably a good idea. I would say for 
the few of us from New York, yeah, yeah. definitely the best idea. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, um, because yeah, you know, we all thought we were Playboy. We're from New York. We all thought we were Playboy. Not only from New York, you're from the Bronx. Yeah, so, that too. And know, Puerto Rican. And Puerto Rican. Yeah, you dudes probably had your mustache all lined up, eyebrows done. No, no mustache, no mustache, no mustache. No? Remember boot camp. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You had to shave. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I pretty much still have the same haircut right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So any anything memorable? Um at Great Lakes, it like oh yeah, making it rain in the barracks. Talk to me. So, somebody in our division—I don't remember exactly what they did—but they messed up to where we all had to pay for it. And my RDC, he was a sonar technician, submarine. I mean, not submarine, su- um, surface. So of course he had a thing for us, bubblehead sonar techs. So somebody messed up. He got tired of freaking being the one to drill us. So he contacts one of his friends who happens to love making it rain in the barracks. So he comes and he's like, you guys ready to make it rain in here today? We're all looking at each other like, there's no fucking way it's going to rain inside. Like, it just makes no sense. So he's like, I want you to go to the windows, close every single window. So we shut the windows. Now he tells us abandoned shit. When you say abandoned ship in the barracks to us, it's basically taking your racks and pushing them up against the wall so that there's more space in the middle of the freaking floor. He tells us to drop. So we drop. So now my other RDC comes in and he's the type that doesn't just do regular push-ups. No, that's, that's too easy. Just up, down, up, down. It's too easy. Halfway up. Yeah. Hold it. Wait, wait. Did they turn the heat up first? Oh, no. There was no need. It was summertime. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it, it's already ninety-five degrees outside. We, we're we're gonna make it. We're gonna make a rain. Yeah. We still don't believe it. So now we're running in place. We're doing freaking eight-count bodybuilders. We're doing push-ups. We're doing sit-ups. We're doing freaking um leg exercise. We're doing everything possible to just make it sweat. And the whole time that he's drilling us. He's literally singing, if I only had a brain, from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, and he's referring to all of us. If you guys only had a brain, you wouldn't be making it rain right now. And we're like, there's no way. We're, we're, still, we're still dumbfounded. Make it rain, there's no way. Once, about an hour later, we feel drops falling on our heads. We all look up at the ceiling, and yeah, sure enough, it's raining. Because all our sweat was just making it moist in that whole barracks. And yeah, that, that, was, that was one of those moments. Every time I hear that song, I see his face. I see his <laughs> face walking up and down whistling. <gasps> yeah, as soon as you said make it rain, it just brought back flashbacks. And um, I went to basic training in Oklahoma, and I, I was there right after Exodus. So. Um, you know, get there in December, and then we had to wait until after Christmas and New Year's after that holiday, and then whatever president's birthday or whatever is in January. And, you know, now the drill sergeants are coming back, and they ain't done PT in a little bit. Um, so they're they're ready to go. And yeah. uh, the, the exact same mindset when, you know, they're like, yeah, we're about to make it rain in here. 
I don't know what the hell that means, but you know, mm-hmm. it's freezing outside and it was snowing like two days before that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm thinking, I don't know what he's talking about. And when I well, the reason I asked if they turned the heat up, because it doesn't matter like for us if it's 115 degrees outside or 30 below. That heat is going as high as it can in the barracks. Windows closed. Um and and we're about to we're about to do it. It needs to turn on the heat. It was too humid out. Oh, so yeah, as we're I mean, it took probably about 15 minutes for that condensation to hit the the ceiling. And and we were barely through our first set of of push-ups and crunches and flutter kicks and jumping jacks and burpees. By the time we got to the second round, it's just coming down. I mean, it's funny. Y'all call them burpees. We call them eight count bodybuilders. Eight count bodybuilders. Not they were burpees. <laughs> and then, then like I said, being that they were eight count bodybuilders, and like I said, they don't make it easy for us. One, two, three, four, five, four, five, four. Five and that's the push-ups. Yeah. Six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five. And I'm like, can you start repeating four and five? Like, really? <laughs> wow. So I mean, that was what how how soon or how far into boot was that portion? That was like towards the end. Oh, okay. Like okay. literally, we we were looking all at the end. It's week seven and we're making it rain. And I'm like, Week nine needs to hurry up. I just want to leave this freaking place. <laughs> so, All right. Well, you get to week nine, graduation. Did your family come from, from Jersey to? No. They My didn't family know. was unable to make it, and I'm glad they didn't make it. Yeah. Week nine was very embarrassing for me. Talk to me. What, what happened? So I was, I was number two on the flag. Okay, I, I had the second flag in the whole unit. Right. So when we're in formation... I'm holding my flag. Next thing you know, I'm in the back being told, drink some water. Uh, passed out. I passed out. Right in the front of the line. <laughs> like you couldn't even hide me anywhere. I was literally right there in the front. Number two. Boom. Down he goes. <laughs> Well, a- a- you locked your knees, and they probably told you don't lock your knees. Yep, yeah. yep. That's exactly what happened. Locked so this my is, knees, and I was out. This was the beginning of July when this happened? This was September. Okay. Okay, so it's still hot in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. It was It was right in the beginning of September. Wow. And I'm like, I was so embarrassed. Sitting there, and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> and then I look around, and there's like 10 other bodies next to me, and I'm like, well, at least I didn't go down alone. Right. <laughs> And it's probably good because I don't, you know, I don't know how long you guys' ceremony is, but they get bring all those those old ass senior enlisted and officers, and they're all talking about their time when they graduated. Yeah, it was so, about two and a half hours to three hours. Yeah, so it's probably a good thing you got to go and chill in the back. Probably got an IV or two. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember much of what happened, but yeah, yeah it was good to wake up being sitting down while everybody's still standing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, did you tell did you tell your family about it, or you just let it ride? Oh, I told my my mom and my brother. Oh, did did Javi make fun of you? Nah, no. Nah. <laughs> he couldn't. He couldn't. Then now, now he probably would. I was gonna say he's gonna call you as soon as I post this, and yeah. he hears that part. Now he's gonna talk about it, but then nah, nah. He was just, he was just happy that I was in the navy. You know that I did something. Yeah. So, 
I get out of boot camp and that weekend we're still stationed there. I don't even till Monday. So one of my friends, his family came up and she invited me and another guy to join us. So we go out, we go out to eat. Then we end up in a hotel room that she paid for us to just hang out. Wait, is this another friend from New York? No, a friend from that I met in the military. No, I mean, I mean, one of the New York guys or? No. No, okay. Okay. I think his family was from, I want to say Nebraska. Okay. I know, I know it's one of those big football place towns, college football towns. Yeah. So it's probably Nebraska. But so we're in the hotel room and we're just hanging out, the three of us in the room, watching TV, having a few drinks that his mom brought us, even though we're not supposed to be drinking. Statute of limitations has passed, so we're good. Yeah. I, I decided to take a little nap because I haven't slept much because I've been mostly on guard duty in the middle of the night the past few days. So I take a nap and my friends decide they want to be a little funny right now. They, they want to play a little prank on me. All they do is yell, attention on deck. I fly from laying down, literally like Dracula position. I stand on my feet, full, full attention, ready to go. And then I realize we're in the fucking hotel. <laughs> and I'm like, you sons of bitches. They're like, we didn't think you won't get up. I'm like, yo, that's just programmed already. You say attention on deck, attention on deck. (laughs) (laughs) So end up getting our orders to go to wherever we're going. Me and a few other guys go to um, Connecticut. So one of the guys that I end up in Connecticut with, his name is Sean Vest. Still have him as a friend on Facebook. Me and this guy, when I say we spent the better part of a year and a half together, actually, it was more like two years together, yeah. Because boot camp together, then we went to Connecticut, went to the submarine school together in the same class. Both got put in the same sonar tech apprenticeship class. Then once we finished our A school and we got our orders, we ended up on the same ship. Did that whole year together before we both went to um, Hawaii for decommissioning and then got separated. But yet we both ended up right back in Connecticut on two different ships. Wow. So we still managed to see each other everywhere we went. So that's pretty cool. And me and him were basically the V-boys. Because it was Vigo Vest. The two Vs. Now, what year um, was it that you went to boot and A school? I went to boot camp 1997. Okay. July 16th was the day I left. You and I were, we were going through the process at the same time. Cause I was in Fort at Fort Gordon. I left Fort Gordon, August of 97 and went to Korea. Okay. I was right behind you. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So tell me, walk me through getting to, to Connecticut. So getting to Connecticut wasn't too bad because you know, Connecticut to New York, four and a half hours, yeah. not that bad. So I'm like, okay, when do I get a weekend off? They're like, you guys rotate weekends. So your weekend should be coming up sometime in the rotation. I'm like, okay, cool. I was like, any rules about what we can and cannot do in our free time? They're like, you can do whatever you want in your free time. 
as long as you're not underage drinking and you're not getting into any trouble, but you have to be in full uniform. And I'm like, great. I don't want to stay local if I'm going to be in full uniform because not too many people in Groton, Connecticut, like the Navy guys, because there's so many of them there. They, they don't like us. So I literally finally get my first weekend off and I go home. Of course, I have to go in full uniform. I don't really want to be in full uniform because of the fact I don't want attention on me because I'm one of those guys who doesn't like a whole lot of attention. So, of course, I'm on the bus. Everybody's, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Thank you, thank you, thank you. People taking pictures of me. And I'm just like, great. I'm like, I'm a fucking superstar now. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I get into my mom's house, first thing I do is take off the uniform. And changes to jeans, t-shirt, sneakers. I'm out the door. So I go to see one of my friends. So me and my brother go. And as we're getting to my friend's building complex, we see a couple of other friends outside. So we stop to have a conversation with them. All of a sudden, two cops on bikes decide to pull up and tell us all to get against the wall. Of course, four Hispanics, two white cops. So I'm already in the military. I'm already with my mouth. I'm like, oh, so this is how you treat somebody who's serving in the military? Sir, shut up, turn around, face the wall. I'm like, really? I'm like, oh, my captain's going to love this one. And they're like, sir, shut your mouth. We, we've got a call that somebody here has a gun. I'm like, there's no way in hell anybody here has a gun. You're, you're, you're fucking stupid. So they start doing the pat down. So it's a male cop and a female cop. The female cop is doing the pat down on the guys. Okay, there's only one female with us, but she's doing the pat down. So she gets to me and I tell her, I'm like, look, my military ID is in my right back pocket. She puts her hand in my left pocket. And I'm like, do you not know your left from your right? I said, my right pocket. I was like, if you wanted to grab my ass cheek, you could have just asked permission. Oh, you have a mouth on you. I'm like, yes, I do. She grabs my ID, sees that it says U.S. Navy, active duty. All of a sudden, it's, oh, we're so sorry, sir. Oh, so now it's we're sorry, sir. I'm like, five minutes ago when I told you I'm in the military, you basically told me to shut the fuck up. But now you're kissing my ass because you know you're a city worker. I am a federal government worker. I'm like, I'm more valuable than you will ever be. I'm like, if my captain calls your captain, your ass has no job. I'm like, so don't just apologize to me. Apologize to my family that do also harass. So they take off. I go see my other friend, have a conversation with him. Me and my brother continue to go to... um. Back then, Palmer Video, which, you know, there's no more of those around. Right. So go to Palmer Video to go to get some, some movies. Who do we have in the sea rolling by us on bikes? Same the cops. two cops that just stopped us. What do they do when they see us? They go across the street real quick to avoid us. And we're in front of their police station as we're walking. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, they don't want no more of me. They've had enough. <laughs> So it was one of those situations. Nobody had a gun? 
Nobody had a gun. Yeah. It, it was just some nosy freaking neighbor who didn't want people hanging outside the building. Yeah. As it always goes. Yep. Wow. So please tell me you made it through this visit home with no trouble and got back to, to the base. Yep. Got back to the base. Um, let's see. I got back to the base. I would say about nine o'clock at night. But the best part about it was when I got to Port Authority to catch the Greyhound bus back to Connecticut, I ended up meeting somebody from New Jersey who was also in the Navy going to the same base. Me and this guy ended up basically becoming like cousins. Like he was the, he was the cousin I never knew I needed in the military. So we became good friends. He became my space partner. And when I say me and him together as space partners, you didn't want to play us. You really didn't. <laughs> in a matter of, a month we could read each other's minds easily there was one hand where we literally ran a boston and we called it like like most people most people can run a boston but never call it right we called it i i looked at my hand and i was like i got six miguel just looked at his hand he goes if you got six i got the other seven our our opponents are looking like there's no fucking way they're gonna get fucking Boston on us. Sure enough, we got a Boston. I had all the aces and kings. He had all the high jokers. Okay, I was about to say, well, how y'all playing? Joker, Joker, Deuce, or yep, Joker, Joker, Deuce. Okay, we had the jokers, the Deuce, Ace down. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I had a couple of partners that we we probably would have gave y'all a run. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Spades were, and dominoes with my thing. There were days that I could just look at my hand and I could be like, Miguel, go whatever you want. I, I I have nothing. He's like, no. He goes, I already know you've got at least three in your hand. And I'm looking at my hand like, if I pull it out, if I pull it on my ass, maybe. Sound like y'all was cheating. But then, but then once he said that, I was like, okay, so that means he has spades. So it means if anybody cuts my ace. He's cutting behind them. If they cut my king, he's cutting behind them. All right, fuck it. I got three. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all was cheating. Nah. nah. <laughs> I tell you, it was ESP. And the reason why I say it was ESP, so we finally start meeting more people and we start going to Providence to go clubbing because there's nothing really to do in Connecticut. So we go to Providence, Rhode Island. We're in a club. He's talking to this one girl, trying to get her number. So he pulls out his pen. She's like, oh, so you were just expecting to get some girl's numbers tonight, huh? He's like, no, I'm in the military. We're trained to always carry a pen with us. She goes, those are your military friends, right? He's like, yeah. He goes, that one right there is my boy. She's like, all right, I'm going to go ask your boy if he has a pen. She's like, he's like, hey, go ask him. She comes up to me. You have a pen on you? Yeah, here. Why? Why do you need it? She goes, oh, she goes, why do you carry a pen with you? I'm like, because I'm in the Navy and we've been trained to carry a pen with us everywhere we go. She goes, funny, that's the same thing your boy just said. She goes, all right, I guess I could believe him. I had no idea he said that. So after he gets her number, he comes up to me and goes, my dude, 
how the fuck did you do that? I'm like, do what? He goes, how the fuck did you know what I told her? I'm like, I didn't. I just told her what we were trained. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, shit, it worked. I'm like, ah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how long was a school? How long were you in Connecticut that time? Okay. So let's see. My submarine school was five weeks long. A school was, let's see, I got into A school November, and we were done by April. So about four months? Yeah, about four yeah. or five months. Yeah, about okay. four months. So when we finally get our orders, I get orders to the USS Boston SSN 703. Before they give us the orders, they don't tell us anything was going on with either ship. They just told us, these other ships, choose which one you want. But when it got down to my pick and Sean's pick, we really didn't have much of a choice. It was either the USS Boston, the USS Boston, the USS Boston, or the USS Boston. <laughs> Those were the last four choices. We had no choice. Yeah. So I was literally like, um, I'll take USS Boston number three. <laughs> <laughs> So when we get to the Boston, it's our very first day. We have no idea what to expect. And we get in, we get to meet our, what they call our sea daddy. Because it's a, it's a third class who's going to teach the new guys what to do. So he's taking us around, showing us the ship, showing us where we're going to sleep at. Well, showing us the birthing areas but not mentioning to us where we're going to sleep at yet. Right. So we're looking around and we're all like, okay, this, this seems like we can handle it until we finally get set for our first deployment. And we're getting our racks in the torpedo room. Okay. So let me ask you the, where, um, where are you guys docked? What what city and state? Groton, Connecticut. Okay, so you're you're still in Groton. This is yep. All right. So my, my whole my whole naval career, I was basically in Groton. And they called the, that's East Pack, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and then then where we're at, we call it Rotten Groton. Rotten Groton. Rotten Groton, <laughs> or we call it the city of the city of Groton, Brotopotamus. Oh, okay. So yeah, lots of lovely of ladies of there. Were bigger girls. Yeah, that's why they call them brotopotamus. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I'm offending anybody. It, it, it's just what they call it. No, not we, my we get not it. my decision. I think I've heard that term before, <laughs> um, once or twice. But you know, I, I've never been up to to Connecticut at all. Yeah, it's it's not too bad. I mean, we we've managed to make it fun the group that i was with we had our moments okay now the um life on the boston talk talk to me about that like you get there um you you know you're getting the uh the um the tour from your third class and like tell me about the ship i i was i was in the army so i know nothing about navy ships navy subs life on board the submarine is the length of a football field just take away the entire sideline 
in the field and narrow it down to maybe maybe the length of how to think of a good I would say maybe two goalie ranks together. Okay. That's about as far as we went. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. So we were long, but very cramped. Okay. And how how many? When you first go into the sub, you're literally going straight down a ladder. Just straight down. And that's the first level. On that first level, you have the captain's quarters, the executive officer's quarters, um, the sonar area with our all machines all around. Then you have control where the periscope, the sail, um, the helmsman, um, quartermaster, fire control. And then right behind them, you have the ETs with the radar and the radio room right behind that. And that's just the first floor. And the ETs are, they're the electronics techs? Electronic techs. Okay. They're responsible for just about everything electronic, okay. which is um, interior communications, outside communications, um, radar. They, they, they do everything. Got it. Okay. And so that's just the first level. That's just the first level. Second level. The second level. Now you're going down a staircase. So when you get down the staircase, you take a quick left. And there's a wall. Take that wall following to the left. You have the um the officers' quarters for them to sleep. You have the officers' kitchen. Go around the corner to that. Then you have Doc's office, the crew's mess decks, the galley, and then you have the barracks. Well, the first set of barracks veered off right in between where the wall and the officer's quarter is at. So you have um, forward birthing, aft birthing. And then just past forward birthing, you have the yeoman shack, which is the guy that take care of all our paperwork and our pay. And then you have the chief's quarters right next to that. Then when you go down to the third level, as soon as you get down the stairs, you have restroom, laundry room, and then the machinery room where the A-gangers are at. Once you turn behind the staircase, you have 21-man birthing to the right, and then you have the torpedo room. And that's where all the new guys sleep. So, yes. My, Back my by the torpedo room? was a torpedo. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Literally, I could just put my arm up and just hug the torpedo while I sleep. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I I wish I was. I mean, it was a scary moment to me because think about it. If one of those torpedoes just accidentally goes off, I'm the first motherfucker dead. Because I'm sleeping right next to it. <laughs> that's craziness. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how they treat the new guys. Or as we call them in the Navy, FNGs. Fucking new guys. <laughs> So how long did you have to uh, rack there? Uh, until I got qualified on submarines. Okay. So while you were getting certified, you... Yeah. While I was, while I was still a nub. Got it. 
How long does that usually take? Um, depending on the person, it could take 10 months. It could take longer than 10 months. They want us to get it done within 365 days. I was part of the stupid program. So I didn't do 365. I did a little bit longer. I didn't get qualified until we got to Hawaii. Okay. That's when I finally got qualified. So you're taking the sub from Groton, Connecticut to uh, Honolulu? Well, we went to Honolulu after our final deployment. Our final deployment was what they call a UNITAS. And it was just us and a fleet of warships and troops and um, cargo ships from Florida going to South America to play war games okay. with all the South American countries. And that was, I, I miss those days. I mean, those well, war games, especially, especially when it's every ship against just our little sub, I love those. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it helped me to basically become what my senior chief on my last ship said was his best broadband operator. Because I was always the guy on broadband every time we did a war games. It just never failed. And on one of the war games, the captain literally came into Sonar and asked me, because I was on broadband, are you sure that's the ship that we need to be tracking? I'm like, sir, I'm 100% sure. He's like, are you willing to put your check on it? I'm like, are we, pay- are we playing check for check? He goes, Vigo, you know my wife would kill me. He goes, but I'll make a deal with you. I was like, I'm listening. He goes, if you're absolutely right about the target's range, the target's speed, and the target's freaking location, I will give you the first day off in Brazil, whether you have duty or not. And I was like, I'm 150% sure. He's like, all right, I'm going to call them. I'm like, go right ahead and call them. So he gets on the underwater comms, contacts the Lamar County. They confirm that they that I was right. He comes in. Congratulations, Vigo. You're off the first day when we get to Brazil. He goes, if your duty officer has a problem, tell him to come see me. Yes, sir, will do. That's cool. Now, I'm, I'm interested in... Well, let's back up a little bit. Um, you know, now year goes by a little bit over a year goes by and you're um qualified on the sub so you can get away from the damn torpedoes and and go bunk in a regular birthing area um when like when was the first time you guys went underway how long after that well let's see when i first got to the ship in april of 98 we ended up going out for, I would say, two weeks, which was our, um, what they call our TRE workup. What, is, is, what does TRE stand for? I don't even remember. Oh, tactical, tactical readiness. What was the E for? Tactical readiness. I can't even remember. Okay. But it was just basically to just make sure that all our systems are working just to make sure that we know what to do on certain drills. Like we know who's fighting the fire at what time, who's helping to do the floods, you know, whatever, whatever the situation may be, 
everybody knows what they where they need to be at. So we do that for two weeks. And in those two weeks, I'm not even in sonar. Like I, I still have yet to know what sonar is under water because they had me working in the kitchen because every new guy has to do at least 60 days in the kitchen. Got it. And where, where do you go? Like how far away from Groton do you go when, is there a particular area? Um, we just go somewhere in the Atlantic, right off the coast. Okay. So not terribly far, maybe like a, not terribly far, but far enough to where we got to be on the lookout for other ships lurking. Got it. Cause you know, at that time, Russia was still spying on us. We were still spying on Russia. Nobody wants to say it, but everybody knows. Everybody knew, like Russia, like like Russia knew that we were that we were in their waters. We knew they were in ours. It was just a matter of you don't come near us, you don't touch us, we don't touch you. Okay, that's why I asked about how far away from Groton you guys went. With you know, um, I because I I don't remember which uh which sub or ship it was, but I do remember. One year, a uh, bit ago, one of the subs came in contact with a naval sub while they were out doing some training, and it was yep, weird. A cooler class. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. We all heard about it. Okay. <laughs> we were all heard about it, and we were all on alert. You guys didn't have any issues while you were out? Uh, Well, like I said, that first two weeks period, I wasn't in Sonar, so I have no idea what was going on. Okay. But I'm pretty sure we did have contact with some of the Russian subs. And that's wild to me because, I mean, the, the ocean is a big-ass place. How, how many Russian subs are out there that we just contacted them? Or are there, like, routes, that, specific routes that you have to take? It, there's quite a few. There's quite a few. Okay. And, and you got to be really good in Sonar to catch one of them because you'll get maybe maybe five seconds to pick up their sound after that they're gone yeah if you don't catch them in that first five seconds you're not getting another chance that's scary as hell yes it is (laughs) but it's but it's also the same way for them if they're if they're trying to find us they've got about the same amount of time to find us or we're gone yeah and especially if we go into what we call ultra quiet, where we shut all machinery off and all freaking personnel who are not on watch have to be in their bed. Now, you could be in your bed listening to music on your headphones. You could be reading a book, but you can't be walking around. So get that training done, head back. You get some time off before you guys do anything else? Nope. It was basically continue training. Training either on the ship or going to the train. Well, for Sonar Techs, we go to um, one of the buildings there where they have a simulation room where we basically sit like we're just in Sonar, have the same type of equipment, and go through basic scenarios that they set up for us. Got it. And do you do you remember any of the technical aspects of being a Sonar Tech? Like uh, anything you can explain? Like. Um, being that with sonar, just about everything is secret. There's yeah, not that's really what I was about to say. Much I can't explain. Okay. Um, but as far as a lot of the concepts, I think if you put me on a submarine right now, I would say give me about a week to get re-familiar with everything. Can you can you 
explain anything like just the general uh, the general aspects that might be out there to the public, not anything in particular to um, to the Boston or any other naval equipment oh, that Boston's we have. Gone. She's gone now. Right. OK. So now I mean, not anything specific to any equipment that that you were operating, but just how like how does sonar work? What, what do you. What's okay, the concept? So the, way, the way sonar works with us, we have four different screens. One of them is our primary screen, which we call broadband. That's the one that picks up basically all the noise in our front, left, right, and some noise to the back. Not completely all the way, but some of it. The only time we can catch the noise behind us is when we have our um, total array the, deployed out. That's an extension of sonar, but coming out the aft end of the ship. So it's like a tail, just listening for sounds behind us. Got it. So anything that gets behind us, we call it the baffles. Because we, we, we don't have ears back there. So the way broadband works is we, broadband is the primary stack or the primary computer that picks up the first sound that any ship on the water makes. Once that, once that propeller starts rotating and that makes that splash, that's what we pick up. That poof, 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 poof. Now we pick it up right away. Sounds that we also get, we get a lot of biologics, bio yeah, biologics, where we have fishes with, with their noise, popcorn shrimp, um, Dolphins, whales with their high pitched frequencies, we hear those. And some of them, some of those sounds had me scared, especially popcorn shrimp, because popcorn shrimp literally sounds like the hole of a submarine popping, either surfacing or diving. Really? It has that pop, pop, pop sound. And it literally does sound like popcorn popping. So, so the first time I heard that, that I, I thought it was I thought it was a sub. I'm like, there's a sub in the water. My supervisor puts on his headphones. He goes, "That's popcorn shrimp." I'm like, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, popcorn shrimp." I'm like, "Okay." I was like, "It sounds like popcorn popping." He goes, "Exactly. That's why they're popcorn shrimp." <laughs> so okay, man, that's that, like an interesting was, job, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So basically, we sonar tech, we learned how to basically sit with one headphone here and this one off so that we can listen to the captain and everybody else, but we still have to listen to what's going on in the water with our cursor. Gotcha. Moving the cursor around, it'll show a line on the screen, and then we put, once we put the cursor on that line, and we hear what that sound is. Okay. And, and is, is there are there more than one? That's a vacation stack. The classification stack, what it does is when the broadband operator puts a tracker on said trace with the sound, that sound starts getting processed to where we can use the classification stack to figure out how many blades the ship has, how fast they're going. Um, let me think what else. Um, we can also figure out um, certain frequencies of certain machinery that they use, like um, the S-209 class submarines that a lot of the South American countries use. It's because of that. They call them S-209 because 
one of their machines there has a signature of 209 hertz of frequency. Got it. So that's why we call them. That's why we say look for the 209 line. You sit on class. If you see a 209 line, you know there's a 209 sub in the water. Got it. Okay. I mean, even, even some of the battleships, we had them classified just by their signature line. That's cool. Yeah, oh, it, it's fun when you put it all together, especially if you have a good team working all the, all the stacks. There's no stopping us. So your first deployment, talk me through that. Like, um, you, you know, now you, now you know your job. You're all squared away. You, you, you certified well, on the cell. I, I don't really know my job. I'm still learning it. And it's basically on the, like, when they say on the job training, oh, it's throw your ass in the fire training. But get on the job. It's throw your ass in the fire. Because literally, we leave Connecticut to go meet with our formation in Puerto Rico. Okay. How long does it take to get from Connecticut to Puerto Rico on a sub? What do you mean how you get to Puerto Rico on a sub? No, no, I said how long, how long does it take? Oh, how long? Uh, It took us... Let's see, we left, we left Connecticut July 7th, 98. I think we were in PR by the 10th. Yeah, so about three days. Wow. Yeah. So we get to Puerto Rico, and before we even leave the ship, the captain's on the 1MC, and he's saying, gentlemen, we're in Puerto Rico, and as customary, we believe in going by the rules of whatever country we visit. So for all of you guys that are under 21, the law in Puerto Rico is not the same as the law in Connecticut. If you're under 21, you are allowed to drink in Puerto Rico as long as you're 18 or older. So for all you 18 to 21 year olds, drink responsibly, don't get too drunk and get back to the ship safely. So all of us are happy now because now we know we have permission to drink. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. sure enough. Um, my first time on a sub in Puerto Rico, there was me, Encarnacion, and damn, just me and Encarnacion. Yeah, we were the only two Spanish-speaking guys on the whole entire ship. A crew of 150, and there's only two guys who speak Spanish. Now, Encarnacion was born in Puerto Rico. So, of course, he already has spots where he's going to go to. He already knows. Me, it's my first time in Puerto Rico since I was two years old. So, I don't know nothing. I just know San Juan. That's all I know, San Juan. So, me and my friends, where do we go? San Juan. Where'd you port? We were docked at Rosie Roads. Okay. How far from San Juan is that? About a 30 to 45 minute cab ride. Okay. All right. So you, you go it from It was Rosie definitely Roads. worth it. Yeah. I was going to say, you go from Rosie Roads to San Juan. So we get to San Juan and our taxi driver leaves us literally right in the center of San Juan to where all the clubs, the bars, everything is going on. Soon we step out the cab, I hear music from 
a street fair going on outside. I'm like, yo, we're going there. And they're like, where? I'm like, where the music is at? They're like, Jose, you're the only sonar tech here. You're the only one with that hearing. Where is it? I'm like, that way. So we start walking that way. As soon as we get there, me, being the slick guy that I am, I see a girl dancing by herself. Pretty, pretty girl. My boys are like, you are not. I'm like, yes, I am. I go up to her. I ask her if she wants to dance. She says, yes, we start dancing. So we're literally in the middle of this fair. We know nobody. And here I am, the only guy who speaks Spanish, in the middle of the dance floor, occupied. My friends are lost right now. Like, what the fuck do we do? So finally, I get off the dance floor. We go order some drinks. And we're just having a good time partying. Then I start talking to this other girl who I never thought was going to, I never thought this would ever happen to me, especially not in Puerto Rico, of all places. But this girl shoots me down. Like the moment I say, hi, my name's Jose. She's like, hi, but you need to go because I know you're from New York. And I'm like, what? She goes, I know your accent. She goes, you got that New York weekend accent. She goes, I don't mess with New York weekends. I only mess with pure-blooded Puerto Ricans. And I'm like, um, I am pure blood. I'm like, my mother and my father are both from Puerto Rico, both from Mayawe. She's like, but you're from New York. You're not one of us. And I'm like, damn, that, that, that kind of hurt. Like, just because I was born in New York? Damn. So, of course, I'm the only one of my crew of the five guys that I'm hanging out with that had no play in Puerto Rico. <laughs> no play. No play whatsoever. Yeah, they'll dance with me, but that's about it. <laughs> that's it. No conversation, no drinks, nothing. My friends all talking with girls. I'm just like, this is some bullshit. Yeah, everybody is- everybody hating on New York. Yeah, I'm like, this is some bullshit today. So four days later, we leave Puerto Rico. We head to Venezuela. Soon we get to Venezuela, it's a whole different ball game now. So we get to a couple of bars, and I tell my friends, yo, don't say nothing about me speaking Spanish. Let's keep it hush-hush. Let's act like none of us speak Spanish so this way I can hear what they talk about and know what they're saying about us. So, of course, I, I use that to my advantage in a few places. And, man, it works well. <laughs> so we're sitting there. A couple of girls come over. They start talking to us. Um, then all of a sudden, they start having a conversation in Spanish. So my boys are trying to talk to me while I'm trying to listen. And I'm like, can y'all just shut up for five minutes and let me listen so I can figure out what our next move is going to be? Because <laughs> I'm always trying to stay ahead. So the girls are telling each other which one of us they think is cute, who they want to sit next to. So as they sit down, I start telling my boys to start moving. The girls are like, why are they moving around so much? <laughs> so all of a sudden, the girl next to me, we're talking. And she said something and didn't realize she said it in Spanish to me. And I just instantly responded back in Spanish. Like, fuck, I just gave myself up. <laughs> She's like, wait, you speak Spanish? I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I, I speak some Spanish. I'm from Puerto Rico. My family is. She's like, and you're Puerto Rican? And I'm like, 
yeah. I'm like, is that a bad thing? She's like, no. She goes, I like Puerto Ricans. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> I mean, that, that first deployment was basically us playing war games, showing the flag. But for us younger guys, it, it was a it was party. It yeah. was follow Jose to the party. That's it. Just wherever Jose goes, we go. I can't even imagine. Now, what 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 countries did you hit while you guys were on on, on this deployment? Ooh, let's see. We started in um Venezuela. From Venezuela, we went to Rio. From Rio, we went around the horn because we couldn't go to Argentina because Argentina doesn't allow nuclear subs. So we weren't welcome there. The surface ships in our fleet all went to Argentina while we spent three weeks traveling around the horn. And and traveling around the horn is is a mission in itself. Right. Because the surface ships, they don't go completely around the horn. They go through the Straits of Magellan. We have to go completely around because of our nuclear freaking reactor. They make us go all completely around. When you go completely around the horn, the whole thing of South America, that bottom portion is where the Pacific yes, literally the Atlantic. meets the Atlantic. And it's those turbulent. waters are not made for ships on the surface. They are not. Even for us being under the water, we couldn't be anywhere near the surface. We literally had to be more than 300 feet deep. Yeah. To to ride smooth. So we finally get around the horn. Our first stop around the horn happens to be, let me see if I get it right. Uh, Chile or Peru? No, we hit Peru first. Lima, Peru. Oh, beautiful fucking place. I, I want to go back to Lima. <laughs> Lima is absolutely fucking gorgeous. Gorgeous place. I mean, some of the neighborhoods aren't that great because of how poor the country really is. But the, the country, the parts where the money is at, absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous views of the mountains, the trees, everything. And, of course, the women are beautiful, too. Of course. So from Peru, we go to Chile. From Chile, we go to Ecuador. Ecuador to Colombia. Colombia to Panama, through the canal, and then back home. That was four and a half months that first appointment. Jesus. We left in July, got back in, got back the end of November. Once we got back to Connecticut, they put it on a 30-day stand to where if you're not on duty, you don't got to be out on the ship at all. You're only on the ship for your duty days, and that's it. So we're all back. We're getting back. We are acclimated. We acclimated to the barracks. Um, then they tell us that we're gonna decommission the ship in Hawaii. We gotta make preparations to leave in February to then go back through the Panama Canal one more time. But they tell us that before we go to Hawaii, we have to make a stop in Port Everglades, Florida, because for a lot of the naval ships. They have um, what we call mom and pop of the ship. Right. They're like they're like almost like sponsors for us. So when we get to Port Everglades, we're told we're gonna have a party the day that we get in. 
They're throwing us a nice big party. What they failed to mention about this party on the pier for us was that they invited the Miami Dolphin cheerleaders to greet us. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, of course, you know, a bunch of young 18, 19, 20-year-olds around a bunch of Miami Dolphin cheerleaders, we really don't know how to act. <laughs> like, like, we don't. We don't. We're all trying to get pictures taken with the girls, trying to get them to sign autographs on our freaking calendars. Like, we, we were, we're young, young, dumb, and full of cum. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how long were you guys there? We were in Port Everglades for four days, I believe. Four or five. Okay. Almost a week. And now, is it uh, going through the Panama Canal, how long does that take? It takes a few hours. Okay. And it's funny because to this day, my mom still has pictures that they took from satellite. And I happened to be one of the guards that they had topside while we were going through the canal. She has the picture of me on the topside. Really? Yep. I, I didn't even know until I came back home. And she's like, I got to show you something. She showed it to me. I'm like, um, how the hell do you have a picture of me on top of our sub? She goes, when you guys went through the Panama Canal, they were taking satellite pictures and sending it to me. I'm like, Damn. <laughs> I'm like, they can track us anywhere. Yeah, Mama Vigo don't play. No, no, she had that picture waiting. <laughs> and from from the Panama Canal to Hawaii, you, you guys went straight there, right? Yep. Right um, after we left Port Everglades, it was straight to the canal. And then another two-day voyage through the sea to finally hit Hawaii. Okay. And you get to Hawaii for decommissioning. What's that process like? So when we get to Hawaii for the decommissioning, what they do is basically whatever crew members don't have to be there for the decommissioning get given orders to go elsewhere immediately. Me, I was supposed to be one of those to get immediate orders, but because of the fact I was still not submarine qualified, they refuse to give me my orders until I have my dolphins. So I was there for a month and a half in Hawaii. And I must say the weather there is so much better. Like <laughs> Than Connecticut? If, if it wasn't so expensive, I'd be living in Hawaii. Yeah. Because Hawaii, I got there, what? We got there mid-February and I left in April. When I got when we got there in February, it was eighty degrees every day in the eighties. Yeah, there was a there was a little a little sprinkling of rain between twelve and one o'clock just about every day. But once the rain cleared, all you saw was clear skies and a rainbow. Yeah. And that's um whale the the, the whales are having babies then. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's there's I mean from Hawaii, from the pier in Hawaii, because of the fact there's there's no need to have like a river going into the city. No, it's just surrounded by the ocean. You see submarines surface, you see submarines dive. You see whales and dolphins right 
near the freaking coast. Yeah. Like you could see them right from the pier. And it's like, wow, this is totally different than Groton. Because <laughs> in Groton, we literally have to go through the channel, get into the river, and then get to the pier. So once we in that channel, we don't see anything on the ocean. <laughs> but in Hawaii, you see everything. Yeah, everything. All right. So you finally get sub qualified. Um ship, you know, you don't you don't got the ship's decommissioned. So what next? Now they're um they're asking me, you know, where would I like my orders to? Because when you're decommissioning, you get to choose where you go. It's not it's not that they have choices. It's you decide what you want, and if they have it available, they give it to you. Yeah. So once we got into Hawaii, the very first day we got in, I realized I wanted to stay in Hawaii because the friend that I told you that became like my cousin, my spades partner, the guy who could read my mind, yeah. he greeted me on the pier. He was stationed in Hawaii. So he's telling me, yo, the USS Charlotte, there's about five or six sonar techs leaving in the next month. Get orders to the ship. We're going to, we're going to Australia. And I'm like, damn, that guy's going to Australia? He's like, yeah, we're going to Australia, Japan. I'm like, damn, good spots. I'm like, all right, let me talk to my yeoman so I can get some orders. I go to my yeoman, and I'm like, hey, I don't want to go back to Brian. I want, I want orders to the USS Charlotte. Well, I don't know if we can get you orders to the USS Charlotte. Supposedly, they don't have any openings for sonar techs. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I just spoke to an ET3 from their ship who told me he knows that five sonar techs are leaving by the end of this month. Well, they they don't have the orders up, so we can't get you there. They are like, we can get you any other ship in Hawaii. And I'm like, I don't want any other ship in Hawaii because I don't know any other person in Hawaii. I'm like, the whole point of me going to the Charlotte is because I know someone on the Charlotte. Well, sorry, Jose, we can't get you orders to the Charlotte. And I'm like, well, if I can't get orders to the Charlotte, then I guess I'm going back to Connecticut. I want the USS City of Corpus Christi. Okay, we can get you orders to the USS City of Corpus Christi. So getting those orders to the USS City of Corpus Christi, I thought I was going to be in a good place because I happen to know somebody on the USS City of Corpus Christi. What I didn't know prior to arriving was that because of this person, I already had a bad name on the ship. I had a name as a party boy who doesn't know how to get to work on time. Because of the fact the person that I knew, every time he went out with me and my boys, he never made it to work on time. The rest of us did, but he never did. So when I report to the ship, I tell them my name. They send up one of the guys from Sonar. And as soon as he comes up, he goes, Vigo, Vigo, Vigo. And I'm like, yes. He goes, so are you as much of a shitbag as Gerard Bowens is? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, every time Bowens has been late to to work, he says it's because he was out with Petty Officer Vigo. And I'm like, this motherfucker. I'm like, you just fucking screwed me before I even got to the damn ship. So and which, which ship is this? And, hmm? What ship is this? 
the USS City of Corpus Christi. Okay, and this SSN seven o five. Back in Groton. Back in Groton. So did did they fly you from Hawaii yeah. back to Connecticut? Oh, okay. I flew okay. from Hawaii to New York mm-hmm. because I was going on leave before going to my ship. So I flew to New York. My dad picked me up at the airport, and that was an interesting first day back on the continental United States okay. because here I am just spent a month and a half in Hawaii with the temperatures over 80 degrees and comfortable. I get to New York the first week of April and it's 45 degrees in fucking New York. <laughs> so I'm freezing. Yeah. So I get and not to mention dad, you've been in, you've been in, uh, you were in South America when it was winter here in the States, yep. right? So it's summer there. Yeah. Oh, and it was beautiful. Yeah. Oh. And then wow. to come back to the cold was sucks. <laughs> why would you choose why would you go back to connecticut where you could i mean are, are there there's there are nuclear subs in bremerton um where else in australia like you couldn't well um for for sonar the bases for well for actually for submarines the there's three bases on the east coast three bases on the west coast okay two of the bases i won't go to because I'm not a banger. I'm not a freaking boomer guy. I, I, that's not my lifestyle. I'm not one of those that just going to go out for three months, be in the middle of the ocean for three months, come back to the same home port, and then wait three months to go right back out Got to it. do the same thing. No, no, no. I, I want to travel. And that's... The reason why I joined was to go see places. Now, for the boomers, the East Coast boomers are in Kings Bay, Georgia. West Coast boomers are in um, Washington. Yep. Okay. That's what I thought. That's why you didn't fast go to Bremerton. Attacks. Or... Now, the fast attack subs, they're in Grind, Connecticut, Norfolk, Virginia, um, Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, and San Diego, California. Okay. Now, now that was going to be my next question. San Diego and Norfolk, both are amazing choices to go. Yeah, but I didn't know anybody there. Okay, you so just wanted like, to be close to people. So I want to go somewhere where I don't know anybody, and I got to basically start all over trying to make new friends, trying to find people to hang out with, or do I just go back to a spot where I already have friends, even though they're on other subs, I know a majority of people. So gotcha. I can literally go back to Connecticut, go to the base club, and be like, yo, guys, I'm back. I'm back in Connecticut. What's up? Because. Gotcha. I knew people on the Dallas, the Alexandria, the Corpus Christi. Um, what are the ship we're in? Groton, um, the Memphis, the Toledo. Uh, I said the Dallas, right? Yep. Yeah. Now, if you've seen any naval movies, the Dallas is pretty damn fucking famous. Okay. All I have to say is the hunt for Red October. Okay, I'm not. I'm. I'm really not. I. I think I saw that movie. Uh, I was in Korea when I watched that movie, so I don't really remember much. Um, and I'm not. I'm not familiar with the the naval ships. Um, I, of course, everybody knows the Carl Vinson, um, and the Arizona. Carl Vinson, the Arizona, the um, the Nimitz. Nimitz, yeah. Um, Ronald Reagan. Yep. 
Uh, so, you know, those are the ships that I'm familiar with. Again, I, I don't, I don't really know much about the Navy. I'm fascinated and I was happy to get, um, the, the last, you last, my first Navy guys on. Um, and I, before I go on though, I, I'm going to mention to you, cause I talked to your brother this morning, um, Tyler and Jordan, both, you know, Navy guys, the guys that I, I talked with the other day, um, December 9th is the army Navy game. Yep. We're going to be in studio. So I'll come down and get you, or you can, you know, if you want to catch the bus up and chill with me, we're going to be in the studio watching the game and recording at the same time. So if you want to come up and join us. Oh, I'm uh, with it. I'm with it. Okay. Yeah, we'll have a bunch of guys in here. Um, (laughs) So it'll be three Navy guys, and then it'll be me and my my Army buddy. And if we can get another Army person in here. Maybe we'll have a Marine sitting in the back eating crayons or something. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll be we'll be watching mean, the the Army Navy our game. little brothers, the, the Navy's little brother. Yeah, what what do they say? The the they're you the Department of the Navy, but the men's department. <laughs> yeah, we we tell them they're little brothers. I got you. So I wanted they to make sure friends. I got that out of the way before I forget. So you are invited to that man, and like I said, you you come up here, you can chill um, at my spot. Um, that, would be, that would be, definitely be fun. Yeah, we'll you know we'll make sure you have a good time up here, and then we'll get you back to Tucson. And okay. I remember, remember that nice little streak that the Navy had against. Yeah, Army. whatever, man. I I I had to and, listen to that for and, and, and this years. Way, the first couple of years, because I got out in two thousand one when the streak started. Yeah, yeah, the I know. Streak started in two thousand one, so I got out, and of course. Javi, Army, my dad, Army, my stepfather, Army, my grandfather, Army. So there was a lot of Army, and I'm the only Navy guy. So I was the one that literally said, let's take a bet. Let's bet on the game. My brother and my father, the first year, they were up for it. They thought they had a chance because, you know, Army had a nice little streak going. So we went that first year. The next year, I told my brother, let's bet again. All right, we'll bet again. I won again. The third year, I called them. Neither one of them wanted to talk about the game. <laughs> they, they, they did not want to know nothing about the damn game. They were like, no, we're not betting you. I'm like, you punks. So there was one year, and this is well after me and my brother are already done. It's, it's well into the streak. I would say it was, might have been the last game of our win streak. So... The game is on. I'm at work at the Jewish synagogue that me and my brother were working at security. He had the Saturday off. I'm at work. I'm watching the game on the computer screen. He's at home watching the game. So Army gets the interception for a pick six. Okay. Army opens the game with a pick six. My brother calls me talking shit, talking shit right on the phone. Oh, you see that? You see that? Pick six. We're going to whip your asses. And I tell them straight out, bro, that is the only touchdown your team is scoring this game. He's like, come on, man. Don't even play like that. We're going to score more. I'm like, no, that's the only touchdown you guys are scoring this game. Sure enough, if I remember correctly, the final score was 16 to 7. Yeah. He didn't answer his phone when I called him after the game. <laughs> That was what, 2015, 2016? 
Yeah, that was 2016. I, I, I wonder why he didn't he didn't answer his phone when I called him. <laughs> I didn't speak to him until Sunday. <laughs> okay, that's when he finally called me back. He's like, "What do you want?" I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, what do I want?" I was like, "What happened with that game yesterday?" He's like, "Man, fuck you guys." I'm like, "Come on, why are you getting all mad for?" He goes, "All you guys did was run the fucking ball." I'm like, "Well, when you have an offensive line." That's 350 pounds plus every fucking guy. It makes no sense to pass the fucking ball. Right. Especially when we're just burying you guys on the line. It makes no sense to throw it. He's like, man, but your fucking quarterback running for fucking over 100 yards. I'm like, and what about our quarterback? He almost had two. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I mean, and after that, we started dominating. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know about dominating. I, I had some just a couple years, you know, but whatever. <laughs> but but this year, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I Air Force is killing it right now. Yeah, fuck the Air Force right now. <laughs> I, I, I see the scores every Saturday night. I'm like, yeah. What the fuck I, I mean, we don't we don't really talk about them. But yeah. um, again, you, yeah, the Army Navy game. We're gonna be doing it here. Um, we'll talk offline about uh, you, you know, we'll we'll have some food some drinks going on so we'll do it right we'll do it right I mean, in here I mean, right now up. right now me and my brother are actually actually trying to see if we can actually get to go to i believe the 2025 army navy game which will be at um metlife yep that's gonna be fun yeah because yeah, um i know i know i got an email before that talked about some of their future games are going to be in different cities. They're trying to do one in Philly. They're doing one in MetLife. I believe one of the other locations that they were thinking about doing might have been Washington D.C. Like they like they're trying to trying to have different locations for the next five or six years. Yeah. Which like I got to me... look at the schedule again to see exactly when they're going to be everywhere. Because I want to go to one of those games, either MetLife or um, what's um the Eagle Stadium in Philly? Um, Fed Financial or I, I don't hold on. I'll I'll tell you where it's going. Lincoln be. Financial. Lincoln Financial. Let's see, Army Navy game locations. This game, man, they're going to play in uh, Fox in uh, Gillette Stadium this year. Yeah, yeah. They're moving them around. So let's see. Trying to get some other fans to come out. Okay, 2025 is in Baltimore. So 2026. 2026 is in, yeah, is in MetLife. And then 2027 is in Philly. Next year, of course, D.C. Um, so that's it. Oh. D.C., Landover. That's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Let's see if I can get to that MetLife Stadium game. Even though I don't know, I don't know if I really want to go. Cause um, you know, Arizona, December, nice weather. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, to get to, to get to go December. to an Army Navy game, man. <laughs> <laughs> to get to go to an Army Navy game, and it's gonna be in your home, you know, in your yeah. home state. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, and then to, then to just sit there talking shit with my brother. Yeah, with but your brother. Everybody's going to be looking at us all weird going, 
you guys are brothers, but you're arguing. Yeah, because he's a fucking army piece of shit. <laughs> hey, just just wear your dress. Both of you guys just wear your dress uniform. I don't know if Javi could fit in his dress uniform. Oh, I know I can't fit into mine. No? Mine, mine is like high waters now. <laughs> so, all right. Let's, <laughs> I want to get back on track because I want to get to what took you to Tucson. But um, so you got back and you're on the... Um, you're on the SS Corpus Christi now, right? The or city of um, the COCC. COCC. Um, and it, is this this is your last sub, right? This is your last ship? So I thought. So I thought. Okay. So talk talk to me about you. You get there. Your boy is there. Once I get there, my boy is there. I meet his new friend there, which is now basically my. I call him my Italian Irish big brother. Okay. Because once me and Jason met, it was it was a bond between me and him. Me from New York, him from Detroit, who then ended up living in Phoenix for most of his life. So he knew that whole you <clears throat> you get born in a rough city and then you end up moving to another city. Yeah. You know, me born in the Bronx, then moved to Jersey City. He's in Detroit, goes to Phoenix. So we had a lot in common. And Bowens ended up becoming a major shit bag, basically burned every bridge that he had in Connecticut. So nobody really wanted to talk to Bowens. He literally got kicked out of the Navy. He didn't even end his enlistment the right way. He got dishonorably discharged for being a dumbass. Yeah. So me and Jason, we're on this deployment. Gerard was actually, was Gerard with us that year? Yeah, Gerard was actually with us on the deployment. And after a while, he wasn't allowed off the ship anymore. Yeah. Now, Maybe where went, where did this deployment go? This one, right back to South America. Same places. Okay. I, I ended up, yep. I ended up getting lucky enough to get on another ship going right back to South America. Wow. So, for now, the second time around, it's not me guessing where to go. It's like, nope, we're going here. Yeah. Nope, we're going here. Nope, this time we go here. <laughs> and now you play the game. You get going. I knew where I was going. Um. I even ended up running into a girl who ended up having a thing for one of my friends on the USS Boston. So when she saw me, she asked about him. And I was like, nah, he's not on this deployment with me. He's on another ship. I don't know what he's doing. She's like, well, since he's not here, you want to come to my house? Sure. (laughs) I'm not going to say no. (laughs) And where where was this at? Was this in uh, Venezuela? This was in Colombia. Colombia. Yeah. Wow. So on this deployment, we ended up having, this is one of the best stories ever because this is how I made some money to spend in Corpus Christi, Texas, because we were on the deployment. After the deployment, we had a 30-day drug run op with the Coast Guard cutter. So basically we were doing surveillance for them so that they can pick up anybody who we suspected of dealing drugs, you know, transporting drugs from Cuba to the States. Right. So we have to spend 30 days out at sea. So what happened is we go to Rio from Rio. We go to another port in Brazil. I can't remember the exact name of it, but in this port, our ship being that it's nuclear, we can't go to the pier. We have to actually anchor out and then have a a small boat take us from the sub 
to the pier. So the third day in, the anchor breaks. Okay? So the only people on the ship are the entire duty section and anybody who just happened to get back on the ship in time. So now that the anchor is broken, the ship has to take off. It, it just can't stay in the pier. It has to. It has to go back out to sea. Right. So the ship leaves with, I would say, a third of the crew. The other two thirds of the crew are still in Brazil. So one of the chiefs sees me approaching the pier, and he's like, "Jose, I'm glad you're here." And I'm like, "Why? What did I do?" He goes, "Well, you see, we don't have a a submarine in the anchored out anymore, right?" I'm like. What happened to our ship? He's like, yeah, the anchor broke. They took off to sea. They'll be back tomorrow to pick us all up. But we need you to go find everybody. And I'm like, why me? Because you're the only one here that speaks Spanish. I'm like, yeah, it still is not beneficial because the Brazilians speak Portuguese. (laughs) I'm like, so how am I supposed to find everybody? He's like, come on, Jose. Like, you don't know where all the party spots are at already. We know how you are. The very first day, you scope everything out. And I'm like, I might have an idea of where some guys might be at. Good. Go find them. So I take off with the duty van to go find the rest of the crew and tell them, you guys got to get to the ship. We're going to sleep on the transport ship tonight. But in the morning, we're getting picked up by the sub and we're gone. We're going to start our freaking 30-day op a little early. So once I get some of the crew members back towards the Lamore County, wait, not the Lamore County, I forgot that trip. Um, damn, I forgot which, what cargo ship it was this year. So I get had the crew back, and now we're all thinking about, oh shit, we're gonna be under sea for thirty days. The smokers need cigarettes, so the chief says, Jose, take everybody's orders for cigarettes, whatever cash they have. Find the local store and get as many cigarettes as you can. All right, no problem. Take everybody's orders. So I get to, I finally get to a supermarket that the lady understands what I'm asking for. So I, at the time, I'm smoking Marlboro Red still. So I tell the lady I need 15 cartons of Marlboros. I need six cartons of Marlboro Lights. I need three cartons of Newports. Like, I have this whole order. So when we get back to the ship, Captain looks at me and he's like, that's a whole lot of cigarettes. I'm like, sir, they're not all mine. So I hand out some of the cigarettes and I have 15 cartons for myself. Yeah. Mind you, we're only going out to sea for 33 days. I've got 15 cartons of cigarettes. There was a method to my madness. Only one person figured it out right away. And that was my big brother, Jason. He's like, you ain't buy those cigarettes because you're going to smoke them. He goes, you bought those cigarettes because you know motherfuckers are going to run out. I'm like, damn right. (laughs) Sure enough, two weeks into the the trip, people are running out of cigarettes. Hey, Jose, can I get a cigarette? $5. For a pack? No, for a cigarette. They're like, what? They're like, yo, in Connecticut, the packs of cigarettes are $2. I'm like, 
Okay. So start swimming in Connecticut and go get a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> Damn, Jose. You know, I don't got cash on me. I'm like, that's all right. We're going to Corpus Christi after freaking we finish this run. So when we get to Corpus Christi, you give me my money. Okay, not a problem. Sure enough, I had stacks of IOUs. Stacks. $5 cigarettes, $20 a pack. So sure enough, the very first day we get into Corpus Christi, Texas, I'm on duty that day. So I don't have to leave the ship. I'm just waiting for everybody to go out to town, go hit the first Navy Federal Day C, and bring me back my money. <laughs> <laughs> so as everybody goes out, they have their fun, they come back, and it just so happened that my duty officer decided to make me work the overnight shift, the 12 to 4. So I'm like, all right, 12 to 4, the drunks are coming in. I'll be outside waiting. Sure enough, guys are coming up to the, to the pier. Damn it, Vigo. I'm like, yep, pay up. <laughs> Give me my money. <laughs> like, I got all the receipts here. Pay up. Let's go. So I'm collecting my money. So Jason happened to be the below decks watch that night. But he comes up, he goes, everybody pay you? I'm like, just about. I was like, I still got a few more people I'm waiting for. He's like, well, your shift is over. My shift is still on. I'm like, here's the IOUs. As soon as they come in, tell them to freaking pay off their freaking tabs, and then just bring me the money in the morning. So the next day we get up, we get we finish our freaking um, duty shift turnover, and me and Jason are ready to go. So the first thing I'm telling him is I'm like, yo, I don't care what we do, but the first thing we need to do is just get a hotel room. I was like, just let's just find a spot so we don't have to come back to the ship until our duty day. So we find the hotel, and it just so happens that just about all the youngins in the in the ship are at the same hotel. So now we're having parties four rooms deep. <laughs> 20 fucking squids. <laughs> all drunk, all acting stupid because none of us are over 25. <laughs> what time of year is this? This was December. Okay, so it's not terribly cold. Well, I mean, it is, it does get no, cold it, down it's there. It's Texas. It's Texas. It, it wasn't that bad. It was comfortable. Yeah. So, one of the first places that we go to, and I don't know what it is with the fucking military and fucking Hooters. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about Or, or Vigos and Hooters. Yeah, so, so we go to the closest Hooters. So, while we're at Hooters, it's, I would say it's about seven of us that are there. Let's see, me, Steve Hudnell, who, once I go on Facebook and add this link, he might listen to this and he might have some shit to say about this. <laughs> it was me, Jason, Steve, Eric, um, John, uh, I'm trying to think who else was with us, Brian, and Salerno, or as we call them, Sally Balls. He was from Yonkers. Okay. So, so we're, we're all at Hooters, and we, we literally tell the waitress right from the start, look, we're, we're from the Navy, we're on the submarine that just pulled in, you, you, if you have a thick skin, you're going to have fun, you're going to get a good tip, so, so just expect it. So she's like, no problem, she goes, you guys better take it too, and we're like, oh, she's funky, I right, this is going to be fun. <laughs> 
So we're cracking jokes, just talking, drinking, eating. So one of the Hooter girls comes by our table pulling a red wagon. Steve is the first one to ask her if he can get in the wagon and just take a ride around the, around the Hooters. She's like, sure, get in. He gets in, he starts, he goes around. She comes back. Now everybody's taking turns going into the red wagon. Finally, I'm the last one left. So she comes up to me and she's like, come on, you're next. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to get in the wagon. She's like, why not? All your boys did. I'm like, that's them. I don't want to be like them. So another Hooters girl comes over and she's like, what if I tell you I get in with you? I was like, wait, you're going to get in the wagon with me? She's like, yeah, I'll get in the wagon with you. All right. I sit down on the wagon. She sits down right in front of me. Now I got a Hooters girl in front of me with another Hooters girl pulling the wagon. My boys are already mad at me. They're mad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm different. <laughs> what the, so what, what the hell was the wagon about? I don't know. She was just pulling the wagon throughout the whole freaking Hooters. Everybody decided to jump in. That's craziness. <laughs> Texas. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> All right. So normal about Texas. When when you guys when you were done at in Corpus Christi, you went back to Connecticut? Yep, back so, to Connecticut, and then we were back on stand down for another 30 days. Okay. Now, how much longer were you in service after that? I was in for another two years. Two years. And then you went from? Let's see, 98 was deployment, 99, came back, end of 99. Well, I had a year and a half left. Okay. I, I was I was getting close to that short term. Yeah. So, you and you switched ships from City of Corpus Christi to another ship? Well, it wasn't that we switched ships. What happened was we ended up being told that we we're going to shipyards for um for overhaul. So okay. overhaul, what they do is they basically take out our current nuclear reactor to put in a brand new nuclear reactor. Got it. And, you know, fix everything else that needs to be fixed. So we get to get to Portsmouth. And is that Massachusetts? Yep. No, no. Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Okay. Okay. Portsmouth. Well, technically it's like, technically it's Kittery, Maine, but it's, it's that border really right there. Yeah. Kittery, Maine, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. That's where we were at. Got it. So in Portsmouth, now what happens once you go to overhaul is if another ship, say in Connecticut or San Diego or wherever, needs extra personnel, they pull people from the ship that's in overhaul to cover those spots. Okay. So... One day, my senior chief comes up to me, and I think, who was it that went with me? It was another Sonar Tech. I can't recall exactly who went, but it was me and one of the other guys from Sonar that ended up being transferred to the USS Memphis for three months. We were basically on loan for three months. And so where's the USS Memphis is at Portsmouth? No, the USS Memphis was in Connecticut. In Connecticut. So now okay. I'm packing my bags, leaving New Hampshire to go back to Connecticut. And I'm like, this fucking place. Like, I, I'm, I'm stuck to fucking Connecticut. 
Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's just, I was destined to be in Connecticut. But, hey, I mean, you're, you're two hours away from home, so you can't really be too mad. Yeah, I wasn't too that mad about it because, you know, I got to visit home more than my yeah. brother did. Which, speaking of my brother, by the time I got to the Corpus Christi, that's when he was starting to prepare himself for the military. Right. And before he chose Army, he was on the fence about joining the Navy and coming on submarines with me. But he's smart and joined. Because I told him. Nope, he joined the right in, branch. You come into the Navy, I'll re-enlist. I'll re-enlist for two more years just to serve with you two more years. Should have joined then the, the Army, man. Then the knucklehead decided to choose his fate and go to the Army and be stuck <laughs> in the desert all the time. Dumbass. <laughs> Dumbass. Like, like I told him, as soon as he got out after eight years, I was like, so, you did eight years and saw absolutely fucking nothing. I'm like, I did four years and I've been to freaking 13 countries. Like, come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> you know what? I, and I, I think about stuff like that all the time when I, <laughs> like, traveling, going to England and seeing that the Air yep, Force. I was there. there. Um, down the road to Spain. Um I didn't go to Spain. I didn't Singapore. Get to, to do a med pack. All you know, all the places that you guys get to port, and I just think like, well, I, I had a good time in the army, so I won't really complain. Um, I probably would have been dishonorably discharged from the navy if I would have been able to go to those places <laughs> at a at a young age. I, I had to learn some discipline, be stuck in cold weather places, um, wow. in places that I couldn't escape. Let's put it this way. Some of the stuff that me and the guys I hung out with in South America did, I can't talk about it on air. <laughs> that would have to be private conversations where nobody knows. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it over some, some iced tea yeah, or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. So now, you know, you, you come to the, the end of your Navy career, you're not going to re-enlist because Javi is going Army. Well, um, actually, that wasn't even the reason why I didn't re-enlist. So after, after the second unit toss, my chief put me and um, Neil for, up for Navy Achievement Medals because during our deployment in South America, he was the translator for um, duty section one. I was the translator for duty section two. Ramon Aguilar was the duty was the translator for duty section three. So all three days that we would be in port, you know, somebody was on board the ship to translate. So because of that, both of our chiefs, because Ramon was um ET radio, so his chief put him down for a NAM. Our chief put me and Neil down for our nap. So when we get back to Connecticut and we're doing the award ceremony for all the awards for Unitas, myself, Neil, and Ramon, we get captain's letters thanking us for what we did on deployment. Now, the other, uh, the other Spanish-speaking person on board our ship was Chief Hernandez. Right. Chief Fernandez, from what we all saw, only translated 
one time throughout a six-month deployment, and that was for a bunch of Chilean officers that wanted a tour of our ship. So when we see him get a Navy Achievement Medal for translating one time and one time only, we all felt offended because it's like, wow, here we are busting our ass every day to make sure the ship has everything that it needs on a daily basis in these foreign countries. And all we get is a captain's letter. But yet the, the E7, who no longer has to take qualification tests, he doesn't need those two points to qualify. He gets the Navy Achievement Medal. We all want to make E5. Yeah. We want those two extra points. We don't get them. Yeah, that's shady. So, so senior, because by that time, we, we ended up losing Chief Wright and Senior Chief Irving came in. So Senior Chief Irving, he starts asking me in the last few months if I want to re-enlist. And this is after I just got back from being on the USS Memphis for three months. So, Jose, you going to re-enlist? Nope. Jose, you going to re-enlist? Senior, I already told you, no, stop asking. Jose, you know I'm going to keep asking you until the, the day you leave and the captain's going to even ask you. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to say the same thing, no. So one day, chief decides to ask me, What's, what, what would it take for you to re-enlist? Um, do you want my honest answer of what it would take? He's like, yeah, give me your honest answer. He goes, and don't say a Navy Achievement Medal. I'm like, huh. I'm like, Achievement Medal is the least of what I want. I was like, you want me to re-enlist? I was like, I want my $60,000 re-enlistment bonus. I want guaranteed orders to the ship of my choosing. Oh, and I want a personal driver to drive me from barracks to ship every day of the week. Now, you know you're not going to get the driver, Jose. <laughs> well, then I guess the deal's off. He goes, really, just because you can't get a driver every day to work? I'm like, yep, pretty much. I'm like, if you really want me that, happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm not asking for much. He's like, you're asking for a lot. I'm like, and you guys are asking for a lot, asking me to sign up for another six years. After I just saw a chief get a Navy Achievement Medal that I deserved more than he did. I was like, I'm sorry. I, I can't give up another six years of my life to get fucked over again. Yeah. And sure enough, I left July of 2001. Neil, I believe, left August or September of 2001. And Ramon shortly after that. Wow. We all said, no, it's not fair. Yeah, I don't blame you, man. I definitely don't blame you. Now, um, okay. now would I have been successful if I would have re-enlisted? Oh, hell yeah. I know I would have. And I proved it. I proved it in the last month and a half that I was there. So Senior set up a um, sonar trainer down in Connecticut. Everybody that he was trying to get to go down to Connecticut for that, had something else going on that they couldn't make the trainer. So he needed one more person to have a full set of four for the trainer. So at the moment, it's Petty Officer First Class Cochran, Petty Officer First Class, um, what was Kevin's last name? I can't even remember Kevin's name. Kevin, and then um, 
Petty Officer, First Class, Ray, 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 what was Ray's last name? Prill. So he has three first class and he still has one open spot. So I looked at senior and I was like, senior, I got nothing to do. I was like, the painters don't care if I go with you to the trainers. So just take me. He's like, but you're not re-enlisting. So why would I take you? I'm like, you never know. I might, I might enjoy the way the trainer goes and I might change my mind. He's like, fine, we'll take you down there. So I get down there. So the first op that we do, they put me right on broadband because that's my that's my usual spot. So I'm on broadband. I'd say that that freaking training scenario lasted maybe 10 minutes before we found the sub. That's how good I was. So once we do that mission, senior decides he wants to mix things up a little bit. So he's like, Ray, take broadband. Kevin, take freaking class. Johnny, take active. And I'm looking and I'm like, uh, senior, where am I sitting at? He goes, you're not sitting. I'm like, wait, what do you mean I'm not sitting? He goes, I want you to pretend you're the sonar supervisor for this op. I'm like, you're joking, right? He's like, no, I'm being serious. I'm like, senior, senior. You, you, you see this, right? This is third class, one, one, one Chevron, one Chevron only. They've got three. I, I, I can't be telling them what to do. He's like, no, right now you're a supervisor. Don't worry about the Chevron. You're the sonar supervisor. They are your operators. You control this mission. You control every aspect of it. I'm like, all right, fine, let's give it a try. Fair enough. I didn't expect to do as good as I did as a sonar supervisor, but after the mission was over, senior looks at me, goes, you'll be a great sonar supervisor one day. And I'm like, I'm still not re-enlisting. <laughs> he goes, I thought it would work. I'm like, it, it, I was like, it, it did feel good to, to tell these first classes how to do their jobs. I'm like, it, it felt good. I was like, but I, I can't, I can't torture myself like this no more. I can't do it to myself. So sure enough, I ended up leaving. I'd say, I'd say about maybe six or seven years later, I actually try to go back. <laughs> See, Ed, it, it never fails, man. You leave and you're like, gosh, I miss it. Now, yeah, that, that whole camaraderie, that's, that's one thing that I don't care where else you work at. When you're in the military, that camaraderie is so much more different than even being on a sports team. Yeah. Because the man to your left, the man to your right, that's not just your brother. That's the man that's going to make sure you get home safely and not in a bag. Yeah. Yep. And, I mean, you've listened to every episode so far, and that's the common theme, yes. man. We talk about it every single time. And our conversation, you and I, is, is a little bit different. And we talked about it um, before this, just kind of texting back and forth. Um, and, you know, even though you understand what it's like to be in uniform, to have that bond with, with your fellow sailors, uh, day in and day out, you, um, you, you know, you kind of extended a special appreciation towards me. And I told you, man, we're, even though we served in different branches, we wore different uniforms. It's one team, one fight all day. And, 
you know. That's why I tell people when I'm out, I'm like, only, only a Navy guy can crack jokes to an Army guy, to a Marine guy, to an Air Force, to Coast Guard, National Guard. We're the only ones that can say it to each other and get away with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you can't be a civilian and be like, oh, fuck you Navy guys. Cause you're gonna get fucked up. You're gonna get fucked <laughs> I up. I will tell you Even this. If there's though, a marine there. The marine is gonna punch you in the mouth. Jose, I'm gonna tell you this. Um, so, camo is thicker than blood. Just so you know that. And even though Javi's your brother, me and that dude, you know, going to the desert together, we we might have to jump you. <laughs> we might That's have right. to jump I'm you. Plenty of water, drown your ass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know how to swim. I'm good. <laughs> I I grew up on the coast, so I I'm I I, I swim in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, but I tell people, I tell civilians all the time. I was like, you can't be a civilian and crack jokes on the military and expect anybody from the military to laugh. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. It's not. Um, and I, you know, again, I, I I can I can repeat this over and over, and it never gets old. And I don't think that people really truly understand unless they've been in in these shoes, like. You talk to people that went to college together and they go back to their reunions or, you know, whatever. It it is it is different. We don't even we we don't even have to have served together and we're in, instantly family just because we did something that not a lot of people are willing to do. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I guess willing, I was willing to willing to bleed and die for the flag. Yeah. Yeah. That that right there, that that puts a bond where Marines, Army, Navy, Coast Guard, we all get along. We all talk shit to each other because that's what we do. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if I see a Marine getting jumped, you best believe I'm jumping in and I'm helping that Marine out. I don't give a damn he's a Marine. You are a civilian. You don't touch anybody in the military and expect the other branches to sit back and watch. Yeah. No. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, and I will say there's one time of the year where I can't stand you, you Navy bastards or you Marines. And that's army Navy day. It's the no, one time I can't of the stand year. You army bastards that day either. <laughs> <laughs> now what? Cause you're, you're well, just July. I love you guys. Exactly. Veteran day. I love you guys. <laughs> Memorial day. I respect all of you that fell before us, but army Navy day. Nah, fuck army. <laughs> I hate y'all from from whistle to whistle. I, I can't stand y'all. Once the game's over, win or lose, I love you. you, you we brothers again. But yeah, you know, the, while the game is in action, I I can't stand you. <laughs> like, Hit him again! Hit him again! <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you're you're only about an hour and twenty minutes south of where I'm at right now. What you uh, let me go back? So, you you finally hang up the uniform. Um, you know, walk off the ship for the last time. Where do you go from there? From there, I went right back to Mama's house. Okay, right and back to Jersey City, New Jersey. What'd you do? Um, let's see. When I first got there, I was unemployed for a little bit, and it it was it was really really a scary moment for me because when I got out, it was July fifteenth. 2001 yeah yeah four weeks later i get woken up by my brother's baby mother 
telling me that I have to stay and watch my nephew because she needs to go to Hoboken. And I'm like, you usually work the overnights. Why are you going to work at nine in the morning? She's like, go to your mom's room and look out the window. So I would go to my mom's room, open the blinds. What do I see? Smoke coming from Tower One. What the fuck? And as I say, what the fuck? That's when I notice plane number two going right into tower number two. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck is going on? So I'm seeing this from my window, yeah. from my mom's window. That skyline has been my entire fucking life. Yeah. So to see the two giants go down, I'm afraid to answer the phone. Yeah. Because I'm already thinking, this is some terrorist shit. We're going to fucking war. I'm going to get a phone call. So every time Oh, that's rang, right. Because you're in the ready reserve at that point. You are, uh, yeah. The, um, yeah. I, I was still active reserve. Yeah. Active ready reserve. Yeah. So they can call you back for another four years. Yep. Yep. Got it. Was, and it's doubly scary, too, because now at this point, Javier's in uniform. Yeah, so you're yep. afraid now. And, your and, little brother is... And the thing is, there, there was nothing stopping the military from calling me back because my father had three boys. Yeah, yep. So me being the oldest, Holly being the second oldest, if we have to go to war, we got to go to war. Yeah. No matter what happens to either one of us, there's still one, one Vigo son surviving. And he was underage, so he wasn't going to get called. So wow. I'm panicking. So my mom finally gets home from work. She sees that I'm panicking, watching the news, trying to find out what's going on, afraid to answer the phone. I don't even look at my cell phone. Like, I, I, I don't want to be bothered. So about 9 or 10 o'clock that night, that's when I finally pick up my phone. And I call my Italian and Irish brother, Jason. And I'm like, Jason, what the fuck is going on in Connecticut right now? He's like, well, as of about 10 o'clock this morning, 13 ships took off. He goes, the only ships left in Connecticut are the Seawolf, the Connecticut, and the Dallas. And I'm like, wait, the Dallas didn't go out? He goes, no, the Dallas just got back from deployment, so they're not going out at least not for 30 days. He goes, and of course, the Sea Wolf is still at the freaking um, dry dock, and the Connecticut was still in the process of being commissioned. So I'm like, okay, so who are they calling back? <clears throat> He's like, you're good. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah. He goes, as far as Navy Reserve is, they're only calling medics and cooks. He goes, you're a sonar tech, you're good for now. And I'm like, that's all I needed to hear. As long as I know I'm not going to have fucking MPs knocking on my damn door telling me I got to go, I'm a happy man now. I was like, but how many of our guys that we know left? He goes, oh, there's a few of guys that got taken from the shipyards just to go serve on other ships. Scary moment because for a submarine, A submarine at war, 
it's not like army, surface ships, air force, marines, where you guys can still make contact with family and friends to say, hey, I'm still breathing. Hey, I'm still alive. Navy, once the Navy, once the Navy submarine goes under that water and it's wartime, you're not hearing from anybody on that crew until they are in a spot where they can reach out through emails and you may not even get that email right away. Like we may send out an email on a broadcast about three o'clock in the fucking morning. Our families may not get it for like another week because they gotta go through the emails, make sure no information is being sent out and then send the emails to the recipients. Wow. So 9-11 happens, you know, you're processing all of this stuff. You find out, I mean, preliminary that preliminarily that you're not being sent out. So you get a little relief there. Um, a little bit, but to be honest, I part of me wanted to go. Yeah. And part of me didn't. Part of me wanted to go because, come on, it's it's in our DNA once you join the military that you want to be there with your brothers in arms. Yeah. Yep. You know, you want to be there to watch their back the same way you know they're going to watch yours because you've already met most of their families. Like like I said, with, with the races between me and Jason especially, me and Jason became best friends on the ship, became like brothers. I introduced him, well, me and my ex introduced him to his wife. Yeah. Because his wife is the best friend of my ex, and he was my best friend. We introduced him while me and her were engaged. We never got married. They ended up getting married and having kids together. They've been together. They were together for the better part of 20 years. His whole enlistment, he was with her. So that bond between me and him, it was like, damn. He's going to fucking war. He's going to be on one of these ships going out there. Even if they're not engaging the enemy, they're still patrolling the waters. Yeah, Anything can happen. And especially with a submarine, the time of war for a submarine, basically, if you happen to find a submarine, you have one opportunity to take that submarine down. Because if not, the next time you realize that they're there, it's too late. Yeah. Because I tell people all the time, with fast attack submarines, once you realize we're in the water, there's a 99% chance it's already too damn late. Yeah. Because by the time you say, oh, U.S. submarine in the water, next thing you know, there's two torpedoes coming right at you. Because we already shot those torpedoes. We already turned around. We're hauling ass and we're leaving. That's it. We're done. Yeah. We go in, we fuck shit up, we leave, and you don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever? That, that was our philosophy. Yeah. Go in, fuck shit up, leave. Yeah. Did you ever think about going back to the recruiter at that point and saying, "Hey, man, I still got all my, my I still got my whole, my all my bags. I haven't even unpacked yet." I, I literally had all my uniforms in a garbage bag right in my closet, just waiting. Yeah. 
And then when I found out Javi was going, I, I was scared. Yeah. Because here's my little brother going to the front lines without his big brother. And it's like, I've protected him his whole life. Every fight he got into, I was the one telling him, get the fuck out of the way. I got this. Nobody touches my brother. Yeah. I used to always say, the only person going to hit him is me. You don't get a right. Man. So now, how soon after that um, did you get to talk to Javi to, you know, make sure he's okay? Um, I think I spoke to him probably that same day. Either that same day or the day after I spoke to him to find out what was going on with him. Yeah. And he said he really didn't know anything yet. Because I forgot exactly when he found out that he was going to get deployed. Well, because he hadn't, he hadn't got down to Stewart yet. I know that. Um, he was still... I'm trying to remember where he was at that point. Yeah, I can't even remember where he was either at that point. Maybe Leonardwood? I don't know, but I I know or no he was he was in Georgia, he was he was at uh, Fort Gordon. So he he hadn't um, he hadn't gotten over to uh, Hunter Hunter yet, um, but I think I went down to Georgia when he came back from his first deployment, and when he came back from his first deployment again, I was unemployed. And that week that he came back, he was already planning to go to New York the following week. So he was like, bro, you're not working right now, right? I'm like, no. He's like, stay here for a week. And I'm like, dude, you should have fucking said something before we all fucking came down here. Because I would have packed a bag to stay here for a week. And that's when you and your parents came down, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. He's He's like, don't worry about it. He's like, I got you. He's like, we'll go to the fucking mall. We'll get you some clothes for the week. And you're good. He's like, you can take the bus with me home next week. He's like, I'm not going alone. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll hang out with some of guys for a little bit. Man, you guys are fucking crazy. I thought we <laughs> and were And you're crazy. in Savannah, you man. You, crazy. Yeah, you're in Savannah. So the weather's a little bit better than Connecticut or uh, Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. It definitely was. Yeah, the water, you know, the, and, the water's a and little of bit course, nicer. It, 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 it just... Didn't fail the very first day. Go to Hooters. As soon as as soon as the parents leave, and I'm in the bags with my brother, we're already drinking. Next thing you know, Travis is saying, "Let's go to Hooters." Yep. <laughs> so I'm hanging out with Javi, Travis, out in Hooters. They already know all the girls there, and I'm just like, "Yeah, yeah, I don't come here often, huh?" My brother's like, nah, we don't come here that often. Really. Every girl knows your name and you know every girl's name here. But you don't come here often. I'm like, yeah, okay. So one thing that my brother said he was going to make sure happened that week that I was there was he said he's going to get me so drunk that I'm going to puke. And I told him, it ain't happening. Let's just go to say that one night we ended up at... I forgot the name of the spot, but 
we're at the spot and we're drinking. We're, we're, I mean, we're drinking. So Travis decides to be funny, talks to some of the strippers there because he knows a lot of them. And they get my brother on the stage. <laughs> they sit my brother in a chair, tell him to take off his shirt. And they commence to beat him with his own belt. <laughs> and of course, me being the great big brother that I am, after the after one girl hits him in the back with his belt, I tell her, come on, hit him harder. He's army. Hit him harder. He can take it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You don't remember? Was this on the river? Was it one of the spots off, like right up on the... Um, I don't remember the names. I don't remember much of much of how we got there. I don't remember the name of the place. I just know there was a pool table there, and I know I created a shop while we were there. Huh. Yeah, I literally got the bartender to take a shot glass and put three different liquors in that shot glass, even though she knew for a fact that. The three liquors don't mix. She said, they don't mix. They're going to just stack up on top of each other. I'm like, I know. That's the point. She goes, where did you come up with this drink? I was like, well, this was a concoction that I made up literally in my friend's house in her um, parents' bar area because her parents, they loved me like a son. And they said that I can drink underage as long as I don't go back to the base. So I had to stay over the night. So we're getting drunk in her apartment, in her house. And I take the shot glass. I take a bottle of Bacardi. Put some Bacardi. Then I take a bottle of um, butter shots. Put the butter shots on top. And then the last alcohol is Kahlua. And a Kahlua. So, of course, when you start to drink it, what's usually coming first? Whatever's on the bottom. So, you get the rum first, followed by the butter shots, followed by the Kahlua. So, it's that, that bitter, sweet, sweet taste. And everybody fell in love with it at that strip club. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then two nights later, I believe, we get back to the barracks at like, 6 30 in the morning i think it was because my brother and javi and travis had to go to a formation at seven so they leave the room as soon as they leave the room i run to the bathroom yep <laughs> it came out yeah he, he he got me to throw up so i i let it out so i think i'm slick so i clean around the the toilet and everything go back to the bed lay down he comes back from formation and he wakes me up. He's like, I, I did it. I'm like, you did what? He goes, you threw up. I'm like, no, I did it. He goes, yes, you did. I'm like, no, I did it. He goes, really? He goes, you sure you cleaned everything in the bathroom? I'm like, fuck. He goes, yeah, you left a little bit of vomit on the wall. <laughs> 
I thought he was going to say the the other room heard you. No, no. I, some of the vomit splashed to the wall, and oh, yeah, I disgusting. missed that that one little spot. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he was a proud brother at that point because he he accomplished his goal. That's that's awesome. Now, what what brought you to Arizona? Can you talk about that? Oof, wow. A lot of different things. And after a conversation that I had with my older sister a few months ago, she she basically nailed it on the head without me even realizing it. I moved over here six years ago, just about, well, almost six years ago, because at the time I was going through, I was beginning to go through depression and I really didn't know it. but. I, I felt different. Like I felt I couldn't be in New York anymore because a lot of the spots that I worked at or, or basically just getting to work brought up a lot of memories of my father, my grandmother, and my uncle. And those three to me were really close. Like, my father, I could call just about any time. It didn't matter. It could be two, three o'clock in the morning. He'd answer his phone just to ask me what's going on. And he would just talk to me about anything. With my grandmother, when me and my mom were having our beef, my grandmother, who's my mother's mom, she basically protected me. I, I, I could do no wrong in my grandmother's eyes because I was her first grandson. I was the first grandchild for my grandmother. So I was the spoiled brat. <laughs> Sounds like, like I, I, I hate to say it. I, I love my brother. I love my cousins, but they know it. They all know I was the favorite. And I was only the favorite because one, I was the firstborn. And two, I shared the same birthday month as my grandmother. She's an Aries. I'm an Aries. My father's an Aries. So that 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 bond, and I tell my mother all the time, I'm like, Ma, I was like, if anybody ever says that you know nothing about Aries, they don't know you. Because you were raised by an Aries, you married an Aries, and you gave birth to an Aries. And I was like, so you know how confrontational, how stubborn how egotistical we can be, how <laughs> proud, how great of leaders that we can be. Like, you know our good and our bad on all three levels. Like, you know it as a parent teaching you, you know it as, a, as being the parent to one, and you know it as being the spouse of one. And then with my uncle, my uncle, he's the one who basically taught me how to make smoke rings. <laughs> I, I, I shit you not, because... My uncle smoked around me and my brother when we were kids. So he would be smoking the cigarettes. All of a sudden, he makes a smoke ring. And we're like, ooh, do it again. So he would just blow smoke rings right in front of us. So when I got older and I started smoking, literally, I went over to the house. And I was like, all right, Theo, that's it. I'm done. I was like, you need to teach me how to fucking do a smoke ring. He's like, all right. So he starts smoking, blowing the smoke, showing me. I'm like, that's it. 
He's like, that's it. I'm like, all right, let me give it a try. Gave it a try. And he's like, not good enough. Goes try again. Finally, I got it. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm stepping up in the smoking game now. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So, yeah. So after they passed, I just, I just needed any excuse to get away from New York and New Jersey. And I ended up talking to this girl that I met on Facebook in a Facebook group. We kicked it off perfectly well. I came out to Arizona to visit um, New Year. I mean, not New Year's, Veterans Day weekend, 2000, 2017. Yeah. I flew out here November 10th, 2017. Stayed out here for Veterans Day weekend. Fell in love with the weather. Fell in love with the price of the rent. And I said, by April, I'm moving to Arizona. But what happened, I get back to New York and New Jersey, middle of November, December 1st, I believe it was, the first snowstorm hits New York. I tell my mother, winter doesn't hit for another 20 days. I'm like, ma, fuck this shit. I'm gone at the end of the year. She's like, what, you're going to move? I'm like, yep, I'm moving to Arizona. I'm like, I'm done with this fucking winter shit. I was like, I'm done with the fucking snow. I'm not dealing with this no more. Sure enough, an opportunity came up at work where our, our second guy on our three-man rotation had to take a month off because he had to get his security license renewed. So they were going to put somebody else in his spot. I told the, um, the supervisor, I was like, look, I was like, let me talk to Dave on the overnights and see if he's willing to split the days in half with me and him do 12, 14 hour shifts a piece so that this way you don't have to bring anybody else in and we can get some overtime. He's like, well, if battle agrees to it, I have no problems letting you guys do it. He goes, talk to him. If he agrees, figure out a schedule, send me the schedule, and I'll approve it. So sure enough, I go to work the next day, 6.30, well, 7 o'clock in the morning. Have a talk with Dave about it. He's like, just me and you? I'm like, just me and you. He's like, overtime? I'm like, guaranteed overtime every fucking week. He's like, fuck it, let's do it. Write the schedule out, send me a copy. I was like, got you. So for a month, I was literally working, let's see. Monday, I was working from 7.30 in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. Tuesday, 7.30 to 8. Wednesday, 7.30 to 8. Thursday, 7.30 to 8. Friday, 7.30 to midnight. Leave work at midnight. Go home, spend the day at home. Then come back to work Saturday night at midnight, work midnight Saturday into Sunday, get off of work Sunday at 12 noon, go home, start all over again, 7.30 in the morning on Monday. So I was averaging about 74 hours a week. Jesus. Yeah. So I took that money, started packing my stuff up, started shipping stuff out to Arizona, bought my ticket. December 27th, 
said goodbye to my mom, and I was on the plane, gone. Wow. Yeah, and I've been here since. Yeah. Don't talk to the girl no more, but I'm still here. <laughs> enjoying this weather. Enjoying this weather and enjoying the fact that I got two beautiful dogs right now. Well, and now now you got a brother you didn't know you had. That's Yep, and I got a brother I didn't know I had in Arizona. <laughs> about an hour and some change north of you. Um, we, you know, moving forward from here on out, we, uh, you know, we're linked. So... Yeah. Um, I got I have some some things going on this weekend that's taking me out to LA, but um when I get back, I will make sure that I get down there so you and I can can hang out. Uh you know, you can show me around what is it, Sixth Ave or Sixth Street, whatever is down there by the, the um, campus. Well, let's see, I'm off Wednesdays and Thursdays, and I know a couple of the spots downtown. Now that I do the security in one of the parking lots, I, I know a couple of the bouncers in a couple of the spots. So okay. What we, uh, what time does your shift? Thursday. What th- Thursday? Okay. What time does your yeah. shift start on Friday? Uh, midnight. Oh no, eleven. Eleven o'clock. Okay, so Friday, eleven p.m. Friday. Okay, so you got all day to relax. Yep. Okay. Cool. So then, yeah, we'll 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 plan on a Thursday um, that I could get down there. But Jose, man, this was fun. I appreciate you um, doing this. The next one that we do, your brother will be on. <laughs> that works. And, that works. So you guys can you guys can talk your shit, uh, do what brothers do, and we'll have some fun, man. Oh yeah, we do it so well too. I mean, there have been times where we call each other just randomly throughout the day, and I've been around people, and they hear the conversation, and they're like. Who is that person you're talking to? Because it doesn't sound like you guys like each other that much. I'm like, oh, it's just my brother. Like, <laughs> and you call your brother a bitch? I'm like, yeah. I was like, as soon as he calls me, I say, what's up, puta? <laughs> <laughs> That's that New York shit. Susia. So he calls me dirty. <laughs> <laughs> well, give him a call. Tell him, uh, tell him I said what's up and I love him, man. And we're going to end here. But again, I do appreciate you. Um and and I'll see you. I'll see you down in Tucson very soon. I'm not hard to find. All right, brother. I love you, man. Love you too, bro. All right, we'll talk. All right, have a good one, everyone. All right, bye.